Cleveland, Ohio. A land of strange rituals. The savage horrors of fearsome mutated beasts. Back from the dead. Kept alive by experimental science. Science runs amok when human beings tamper with unknown forces. Now at last, the real shocking story can be told. We are giving you all the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the miserable souls who survived this terrifying ordeal. A nightmare combination of shock and terror, and you're invited. A foolish undertaking. Something evil. It came from Cleveland. And had fun storming the castle. Not recommended for impressionable children. I'm sorry. I don't want to be a That's not my business. I don't want to rule or conquer anyone. I should like to help everyone if possible. Jew, Gentile, black man, white. We all want to help one another. Human beings are like that. We want to live by each other's happiness, not by each other's misery. We don't want to hate and despise one another. In this world, there's room for everyone, and the good earth is rich can provide for everyone. The way of life can be free and beautiful. But we have lost the way. Greed has poisoned men's souls, has barricaded the world with hate, has goose-stepped us into misery and bloodshed. We have developed speed, but we have shut ourselves in. Machinery that gives abundance has left us in want. Our knowledge has made us cynical, our cleverness hard and unkind. We think too much and feel too little. More than machinery, we need humanity. More than cleverness, we need kindness and gentleness. Without these qualities, life will be violent and all will be lost. The aeroplane and the radio have brought us closer together. The very nature of these inventions cries out for the goodness in men, cries out for universal brotherhood, for the unity of us all. Even now, my voice is reaching millions throughout the world, millions of despairing men, women and little children, victims of a system that makes men torture and imprison innocent people. To those who can hear me, I say, do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress. The hate of men will pass and dictators die, and the power they took from the people will return to the people. And so long as men die, liberty will never perish. Soldiers, don't give yourselves to brutes. Men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives, tell you what to do, what to think, and what to feel, who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men, machine men with machine minds and machine hearts. You are not machines. You are not cattle. You are men. You have the love of humanity in your hearts. You don't hate. Only the unloved hate, the unloved and the unnatural. Soldiers, don't fight for slavery, fight for liberty. In the 17th chapter of St. Luke it is written, the kingdom of God is within man, not one man nor a group of men, but in all men, in you. You, the people, have the power. The power to create machines, the power to create happiness. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Then in the name of democracy, let us use that power. Let us all unite. Let us fight for a new world, a decent world that will give men a chance to work, that will give youth a future and old age a security. By the promise of these things, brutes have risen to power, but they lie, they do not fulfill that promise, they never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. Now let us fight to fulfill that promise. Let us fight to free the world, to do away with national barriers, to do away with greed, 
with hate and intolerance. Let us fight for a world of reason, a world where science and progress will lead to all men's happiness. Soldiers, in the name of democracy, let us all unite! As poignant now as it ever was, uh, Charlie Chaplin's big speech from the great dictator. Uh, Charlie Chaplin, if he was still alive, would be 132 years old today. Um, uh, so welcome uh, to the program tonight. It came from Cleveland, and Joe Santors is here with us as always. Hello, Joe. Yeah, everybody doesn't uh, know that uh, Charlie Chaplin had a serious side. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people just think it was all, uh, you know, shtick and slapstick with a, a cane and a wobbly walk. Um, right. <laughs> and, of course, uh, our good friend Michelle, that always gives me the feels. Uh, wasn't that nice? It, 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 is, it is really, really cool. And he had such a wonderful speaking voice, too. And he yes. was lucky. A lot of people yeah. that transitioned did not have very good voices. <laughs> yeah, excellent point. Excellent point. I think we, we mentioned that uh we mentioned that a while ago. Uh, there was there was actually I watched a Carol Burnett episode with <laughs> a, a goof on that. I think Sid Caesar yes. was uh was that. But yeah. So uh and of course Miles is here as well. Uh and uh it, maybe he had fun storming the castle too. Welcome Miles. Hello. Uh I can I can report that the uh, castle was successfully raised. Oh, okay. Good, good, good. So, uh, yeah, uh, you know, I don't have a lot to add uh, to to that. I just thought that that would be a special thing, uh, you know, to play from Charlie Chaplin. But again, his he was uh, born uh, April sixteenth, eighteen eighty nine. Uh, that's today's date, April sixteenth, of course. Um, and uh, we've got some other great celebrity birthdays to talk about in the show. We have a whole lot of fun stuff. Michelle's going to go over. Uh, um, uh, Peter, Peter Yusinov's career a little bit, a, you know, some selected moments. Um, I've got some stuff about Elizabeth Montgomery and Roy Clark for everybody. Uh, and, uh, Joe and I are going to talk, uh, wonder, you know, we're, we're going to get into why Tom Selleck is so angry. Miles has a load of science news for us. And of course we'll be reviewing, uh, the Twilight Zone, uh, a nice place to visit tonight. And we've got an all-new music block curated by Mort from Kill the Hippies for our first break and a new Mythical Minute from Adam Hebert and a brand-new Robots segment. And, of course, a trailer break assembled by Michelle as well. This one, a kind of a witchy theme since we're talking about Elizabeth Montgomery tonight. So, uh, how is everyone tonight? I, I'm uh, we're, we're all... Uh, well, uh, I just got my first Moderna shot the other day. Uh, Joe, you've been double Moderned, but <laughs> Miles and Michelle, you've been double spurned because of J&J. Yes, we've been thrown back into the, uh, vaccine pool, so. <laughs> Ooh. Well, let's hope that that gets corrected soon, um, and, and maybe we can, you know, the, the government can allocate some of the uh, um, Modernas or Pfizers down your guys' way, and hopefully, Ron, well, your governor does the right thing. I won't get political, I promise. <laughs> yeah, well, so. I'm, I'm hoping so, too, because we've had to postpone some some important doctor's appointments. You know, I still need a physical. I yes. had to postpone that for over a year, mm. and I have a, um, a year anniversary coming up of a certain colonoscopy that I have to go get done again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, well, um, so let's, let's jump right into it. I've got a lot of audio, uh, tonight. Um, I found a really fascinating, um, inter uh, a couple interview videos with Elizabeth Montgomery from, I'm guessing the, uh, sometime in the eighties, 
maybe early 90s uh, before she passed away. She de- Again, she's somebody who passed away way too young, uh, 1995. Uh, she was only 62 years old, born April 15th, 1933. Um, but uh, something interesting, I, I didn't know uh, this about her. Her father was a, was a famous actor. Um, her father was, um, uh, let me see. Where, where is it? Robert she, Montgomery. Robert Montgomery. Thank you. Who Robert Montgomery was in, um, uh, a really freaky movie, um, uh, called, uh, uh, Night Must Fall. Is that what it's called? Uh, let me see. I'm, I'm looking. Yeah. Night Must Fall from 1937 about, you know, basically a ruthless killer. And, um, let me see if this is the one, this is, um, she, she was talking to this interviewer. And again, I have no idea. There's no information on who the interviewer was, when it was done. Somebody just slapped these on YouTube and I was like, well, I'm going to grab some audio from them because it was really, it's really clear audio and, and a really decent interview. But, uh, here she was, uh, as a child, she was never allowed to go see the movies, even though her father was an actor. Um, and she said, but the first time she did get to see her father on screen, they (laughs) let her watch nice night must fall, which is about a, a pretty brutal murderer. I mean, there's like decapitation and stuff in this movie (laughs) and her father plays the the killer. So, uh, this is, she has a pretty funny story. Obviously she had a great relationship with her father. And uh, I think you guys will all get a kick out of the morbid nature of her story. The first time, this was really macabre. He and Cagney must have cooked this up. I'm sure they did. Oh, God. Was Night Must Fall. And I was about... God, I don't remember. I was not very old. And then again, you know, why they would pick this one for the first movie I'd be allowed to see him in, I God only knows. They ran it at the, at the studio, and I can remember going and sitting there between the two of them. My mom wasn't there. Maybe she didn't know about it. She probably would have killed him if she'd known. And I sat there watching this thing, not knowing half of what I was seeing. And, of course, the, I hadn't seen it again. I, the last time I saw it was about six months ago. So th- that, that was a whole other story. Um, and I remember sitting there going, Oh, my God, that's my father up there doing these weird things. And I remember thinking, this is a little long, you know, one of those things. And then I remember thinking, oh my God, what has he got in that box? And it was like really strange. And the that whistle, you know, which kind of bugged me. And so I sat there and without really knowing what I was seeing, saw this movie. About three or four nights later, I had gone to bed. And I had this bedroom and it had a closet at the end of the room where my bed faced this thing. <laughs> and I was just going off to sleep. So God only knows how long he stayed there. Is he had this plaster cast of his face. You know how they used to do those yes, dumb yes, things? Yes, yes. Where they put straws up your nose and all that fun stuff? And I heard... And the door started to swing open, and I saw this face, and he'd had, he was holding this thing in his hand with a flashlight underneath it. Well, I just about freaked out. I was screaming and carrying on, and I couldn't figure out whether to get under the covers or run out of the bedroom. And my mother came in. She was furious at him. 
But what a terrible movie for an eight-year-old to see. It. What a terrible <laughs> thing to do to an eight-year-old. Yes. <laughs> to open yes. Like, oh. yes, that's one of the things I kind of loved about him, I guess. Uh, <laughs> see, I love that. I love stories like that. Uh, you know, I mean, because, you know, Joe, we all have fun stories like that where, you know, somebody, you know, some one of our parents is a prankster and does something wacky like that. So it's nice to hear something, a human little angle to uh, an iconic uh, um actor hmm. yeah i i understand it, it, it was true of rad serling too i don't think he allowed his children to see any of his uh to watch the twilight zone oh okay oh yeah I, of, I did re huh oh no finish go ahead finish your thought yeah i, re I read somewhere where uh, he would never allow his children to watch the show because he figured it would creep them out you know, and, you know, another thing I was doing in prep for the show is I was going to get some dialogue from her episode of The Twilight Zone. And then I realized she had exactly the same amount of dialogue as Agnes Moorhead, who played her mother in Bewitched, and Dora, <laughs> in, <laughs> which is uh, zero dialogue. Um, yeah. Uh, so, uh, so, yeah, so that, that that's something they both had in common, Elizabeth Montgomery and... Uh, um, Agnes Moorhead had zero lines in their Twilight Zone appearances. Um, yeah, you know, that was two, wasn't it? I think the two. I think is what yeah, it was with uh, Charles yeah. Bronson. Um, and uh, yeah, but uh, it, but she, you know, she was really remarkable in that. Uh, it, you know, in a, in a silent role. So, uh, but Miles, that's a that's a fun thing to do to an eight year old, right? Uh yeah. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> I, I remember my niece. I I introduced her to aliens, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, that was a fun thing to do. And she was she wasn't eight; she was uh, thirteen or fourteen. I think fourteen. Well, I remember the story you told about your uncle who took you to see. I think you said it was your uncle who took you to see yes. that. Uh, what Manitou. was that? Manitou, yeah, Manitou, <laughs> and you were like scarred for life. I, yeah, I I didn't even realize it was rated R until just <laughs> like four yeah. years ago or something. And I, I just well, know, in, in Joe, just... <laughs> go ahead. No, I'm just saying I was that young. I didn't, yeah. under, I I couldn't appreciate what mm -hmm. I was watching. And, and Joe, you what was your what was yours? Uh, didn't was it your uncle who took you to see, or your father who took you to see? a sci-fi movie that gave you the creeps forever, wasn't it? Oh, that was the Queen of queen Outer from, Space. Yeah, Queen of Outer Space. With Zsa Zsa Gabor. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that one creeps. Well, to be fair to my father, we forced him to take us to the drive-in. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, it was me and a couple of friends of mine, and they took he took me to the drive-in because we wanted to see Queen of Outer Space, and we were freaked out. That's a We freaked ourselves out. That's how that yeah. works. Yeah, I, I'm trying to remember, you know, a, a lot of my early, well, horror experiences were seen on television uh, in in the 70s on uh, Chiller Theater and stuff like that. And there was a movie that I cannot, I think it was called Crawl Space. It was about this kid who lived under the this old couple's house. And I think it was a made-for-TV movie. I'm not sure. And I think this is the movie, but somebody gets their head run over by a car and I went back and I watched the movie, and I thought I, I remembered it like it was graphic that the head got run over. But I go I I watched the movie later in life, and it was not graphic at all. But in my mind, it was like you know this guy's head was squished like a bloody pumpkin, you know. But in the 
or, or oh no, 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 that was a different one. I haven't been able to find this that one. The uh, crawl space, the guy puts an axe in somebody's chest, and I thought it was like totally brutal. But then I go went back and watched it, and it wasn't that bad at all. So, but Michelle, did you have a a, a horror experience? Uh, well, your your folks uh, weren't big on um, movies and stuff like that, right? Yeah, they weren't. But but the one that really scared me, I think, was another TV movie, but or it may have been released and then released on TV. Um, I put the a, a gif of it in, in chat. Uh, it was called "Don't Be Afraid of the Dark." Ooh! Oh, wow! Okay, yeah. And, and that one, that one messed me up because of the cellar and the little gnome creature mm-hmm. dragging her downstairs at the end of the movie. It was creepy as wow. all hell. <laughs> I'm gonna, I gotta see that. I gotta see that. So, uh, it made but, a remake. So don't get fooled yeah. by the re- remakes too. <laughs> but the first one is the creepiest because she, they're they're really sensitive to light. I'll just leave oh, it at that. Okay. So uh, the second clip I got from this interview, um, this is, um, uh, I only got two clips because I didn't want to go crazy, but I I found this uh, especially um, interesting because this is how she found Agnes Moorhead for, she, Elizabeth Montgomery was very active in the process of making the show Bewitched. Uh, She wasn't just, you know, they just didn't sign her on. She helped develop it. She... You know, even uh, the her name was supposed to be Cassandra, I think, originally in the show, but she insisted they change it to Samantha. She thought Cassandra sounded too doom and gloom, um, and that that might be in this clip too, towards the end. But um, the she she goes through uh, and and says, you know, uh, she was out in New York and she saw Agnes Moorhead when she was out shopping. This is just a great little story. It was funny because we were in New York and I heard, oh, well, I think that will do. And I thought, oh, my God, who's that voice? And I turned around and I saw this mad-looking woman with red hair with pink tulle wrapped around it. I mean, she looked like an oversized thing of cotton candy. I mean, absolutely <laughs> extraordinary. And I looked at her and I said, excuse me, are you? She said, yes. Agnes Moorhead. I went, oh, yes, of course, because I wasn't sure. And I thought, am I going to just stumble over? Are you, you know, what am I going to say? And I said, would you be interested in doing a series? She said, no. I said, no. And she said, well, maybe I don't know why. And I said, well, I'm Elizabeth Montgomery. She said, oh, really? I mean, I wasn't trying to impress her because nobody would have been impressed anyway. So I just said, well, okay, as long as you sort of said yes, and I went running back to the hotel saying, I found mother, I found mother, and Bill said, where was she? I thought she was up in the country. I said, no, 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 I mean mother, not mom. And he said, oh, you mean Andorra, or what, her name wasn't Andorra at that point. I don't remember what her name was. And I said, yes, so luckily she said she'd do it. But she told me later, she said that she accepted it because she was sure it was going to be a flop. I said, well, how dare you? (laughs) But she said, oh, no, I, she said, I couldn't imagine anybody being interested in witches. She said, of course, my character was fascinating. I said, yes, Aggie, that's right, it was. And here you are now, bit, bitching and moaning. Eight years later, you're still complaining about it. Isn't it awful? And she was wonderful. I loved her. And uh, so that's it. Well, that's how she got the job, anyway. And then she was the one that picked the name for Andorra. And Samantha's original name was Cassandra, which I hated because mm-hmm. of that, you know, doom and gloom nonsense and I said Ew, you know, icky let's change that they said why don't we call her Elizabeth I said why don't we not call her Elizabeth <laughs> I always find that real distracting playing characters with your, with own, your own name, name. I wouldn't like that 
Yeah. So and uh, yeah. So lots of fun trivia coming from the chat room too. Uh, Theo says uh, Robert Montgomery was also friends with aviator showman Roscoe Turner, and a young Elizabeth Montgomery was allowed to play with his pet lion Gilmore. He got that from an interview with Colonel Turner himself. Very cool. And uh, oh, that's neat. And uh, living on Long Island points out that uh, Agnes Moorhead used to be one of the radio Mercury players, uh, Mercury Radio Theater. Uh, players and was in Citizen Kane. Also, Orson Welles called her the greatest actor of all time. And he specifically said actor. He did not call her an actress. Um, so uh, that's pretty high praise coming from Orson Welles. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I just found that that great. She just had such fond memories of, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, she's like, that's it. She's going to do it. But I think that's hilarious, too, because Agnes Moorhead was like, I, I just said I'd do it because I thought it was going to be a flop. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and it, again, this is one of those shows that had a major cast shakeup um, because of uh, 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 who was it? Dick York. Dick York and Dick, Dick Sargent. Yeah, Dick York's uh, uh, debilitating back injury. Um, so I don't know if you guys know this. They actually had a special board um the, the crew set up like this special board that he could lean against against the wall and they like had a table where he could rest. There were episodes where, you know, he would just be in bed or laying on the couch or if it was so bad he just couldn't be in it and they'd say he was away on business. And then it just caught up with him and, you know, he had to be replaced. And um, apparently that was a very painful decision uh, for most involved. Although uh, there are rumors out there that Elizabeth Montgomery did not like uh, Dick York. Um, and it's, it, she's not on record saying much about him and saying, no, it worked when, uh, when he left, you know, that's it. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so I, I, I found that, uh, uh, exceptional and I grabbed, uh, so everybody can hear some of the chemistry from the pilot episode. This is the first one minute of dialogue between Elizabeth Montgomery and Agnes Moorhead. Mother, what are you doing here? What am I doing here? What are you doing here? I'm married. I know. Let you out of my sight for one moment. Well, hold on to me and we'll be home before you can say... I don't want to go. I was afraid of that. He has you under a spell, eh? Oh, these male witches are the worst kind. He's not a witch. What? He happens to be, if you'll excuse the expression, a normal, mortal human being. Oh, well, then that's easy. I'll just have him trip over a rug and break an arm. Mother, you'll leave him alone. He's a dear, sweet, wonderful, perfectly marvelous man. Oh, my poor baby. He sounds simply horrible. <laughs> oh, don't worry, Samantha. I'll get you out of here. I'm not going. Really? How would you like to spend your wedding night with a bullfrog? <laughs> Don't you understand? I'm happy with him. Don't talk to your mother like that. I'll tell you when you're happy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And uh, Theo also pointed out Agnes Moorhead uh, played uh, Margot Lane in the early days of The Shadow uh, opposite Orson Welles. Um, great. V wonderful, wonderful old-time radio show uh, based on the pulp books. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, just, um, uh, uh, Michelle, I'm sure you appreciate that chemistry that they had shared on screen. Uh, and, and it was like right there at the instant from the pilot on. 
Yeah, it was it was amazing. It was the the, the way a, a lot of the cast members acted together was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the dynamics were great. You know, like Uncle Arthur oh, and Doctor Bombay. Paul and, Lind, uh, give me give me Paul all Lind all day long. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and just it was it was very cool, but it had some dark episodes too. Mm-hmm. The one episode where the people knew about witches and they were being placed in internment camps and stuff. That was yeah. creepy. Yeah, yeah. There's, uh, you know, and, and it was an it's an enduring series too. I mean, you know, the, I mean, it, it wasn't that long ago they they tried and failed to make a, a movie uh, of it. I think with Will Ferrell and oh gosh, Nicole Kidman. No. Nicole Kidman. Yeah, yeah. So okay. that was that was pretty terrible. Um, but I watched it. <laughs> And, uh, As did I. <laughs> it, was a, it was a while ago, actually. I think that was one of Will Ferrell's earlier movies. Um, but yeah, so uh, Miles, were were you ever were you much of a fan of the show as a kid? I watched it a fair amount. Um, you know, I, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I I'll I'll say I wasn't as much a fan of Elizabeth. I mean. Elizabeth Montgomery in in black hair is like, but <laughs> the dark haired Elizabeth Montgomery in um, Bewitched, her sister, I think, or cousin, Serena, Serena. Right. right? That character didn't thrill me as much. Versus, say, yeah, the dark haired Barbara Eden's character, that was much more fun. Oh, okay. Well, I, Barbara I, Eden, I, I, I digress. Barbara Eden wore a lot less in uh, I Dream of Jeannie too. So, uh, but Joe, was this on the, was this on, on your screen, uh, growing up, uh, uh, Bewitched? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to watch Bewitched. I was more of a, I dream a genie fan, but I, uh, yeah, I watched (laughs) Bewitched in my, I I especially like the, uh, the other characters in the show, like the neighbor across the street. Oh yeah. That was always bugging her husband (laughs) about weird things going on and. Dr. Bombay. Oh, Dr. Bombay. <laughs> <laughs> I just you know. saw a great episode with Dr. Bombay the other day where, uh, 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 oh, yeah, Samantha couldn't quit speaking in rhyme. And uh, it, w- it was a great episode. Yeah, Dr. Yeah, Bombay was, was a great, great character in that show. Yeah. And I like uh, Paul Lynn's character, Uncle oh, Arthur. Oh, Uncle Arthur was great. was great. Yeah, so, um, well, we're running out of time, but I do want to squeeze this in because I found this uh, pretty compelling because I didn't know about this. But Elizabeth Montgomery, after Bewitched, she never did another television series after Bewitched. But she did. She was, like, one of the most sought-after um, TV movie actors uh, in the 70s and 80s, uh, into the 90s. Um, but she played Lizzie Borden in The Legend of Lizzie Borden from mm-hmm. 1975. Oh, yeah. And her Catherine Hellman played her sister Emma, uh, of course Catherine Hellman from Soap uh, and um, uh, Who's the Boss, and of course m- my favorite movie of all time, Brazil, by Terry Gilliam. And uh, this is um, uh, uh, just a quick scene of them talking together. It's about three three minutes, but then we're gonna have to go pretty much straight into the break after this. But uh, here we go. <laughs> Sorry, Emma, but I must. It's all right, Emma. Oh, well, this is... 
I'm so glad you're here. I'll stay as long as you need me. Thank you. Lizzie? She's in her room. like I promised, Mother. Yes, Em. Well, then, you see? Everything's going to be all right. You just go to sleep now. Yes, Em. Oh, did she do it? Did she do it? You know, well, we don't know. She was acquitted. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so Elizabeth Montgomery, uh, what, what a treasure. And, uh, again, uh, lost way too soon. But we do have to run to the break because the neighbor's dogs are barking. And I need to talk, tell everybody about Roy Clark when we come back. One of my favorite guitarists of all, of all time. You guys might not know that, but it's true. And I'm going to show you why. Um, uh, I'm going to show you with your ears but coming up on the brand new uh kill the hippies house band block of music we've got adjunct lieutenant's ball rite of passage entrails and plastic boots all hand selected from mort coming up oh michelle you're gonna love some of these tunes they're so good we'll be right back you're some sort of weirdo
<laughs> oh yeah, we'll get to that later. Welcome back. It came from Cleveland. Thank you so much to Kill the Hippies. Please check them out on Bandcamp. All their music is for sale over there and very affordable. Uh, so here's the link I'll put in the chat room for everybody. Uh, that'll take you right to Bandcamp. And uh, yeah, it's kind of, uh, you know, Bandcamp's kind of one of those uh, pay, pay what you want thing too. I think you can pay more, you can pay a little less, whatever. But they've got a lot, a lot of music over there for you to uh, peruse, including all the Halloween albums that I uh, uh, have, well, some that I participated in. And, uh, of course, they have another band called Meanderthal, uh, which is a great name for a band. Uh, but anyway, welcome back to the show. Uh, um, uh, Miles, Michelle, and Joe, let's, uh, are you ready for some more uh, uh, more musical interludes here? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well... As a child, and having a lot of southern, uh, southern hillbilly family members, um, I grew up watching Hee Haw in syndication. I'd see it at my, at my, you know, at home, and at my grandparents, and I loved Hee Haw when I was a kid. Going, going back though, Michelle, and watching some of these, especially when they do picking and grinning, um, uh, I'm fairly certain they were drinking during the show. Or maybe, <laughs> maybe, uh, you know, uh, you know, a little, uh, you know, well. Don't you know that alcohol is a lubricant for the devil? Sure do, and I'm just about oh, yeah. due for an oil change. Yeah, so, uh, but I went back and I was going through the picking and grinning. A lot of the jokes are kind of inappropriate, but I found a really fun one with Roy Clark and Roger Miller. Uh, but this, this does not at all showcase Roy Clark's talent on guitar. But it is fun, and I figure Roger Miller, King of the Road, you know, we gotta, you know, hear this. And there's there's a couple fun little wacky jokes. But so here we go. Here's our first Roy Roy Clark clip from Hee Haw, picking and grinning. Now here's Roy Clark, Roger Miller, the whole Hee Haw gang, and picking and grinning. You know, I once had a hand in a big transportation deal. Oh, really? What was it? I went across country on my thumb. <laughs> <laughs> So everywhere I go at the hotel, at the hotel, people point at me. The waitresses and the bellboy and the parking tenant. What is it? Well, it's going to be that way till you start tipping. <laughs> party at the airport. Sure am, Roger. And by the way, <laughs> what does Bon Voyage mean? Uh, Roy, Roy, I believe that means don't throw up on the airplane. <laughs> what do you think it means, Roger? I think it means don't throw up on the outside of the airplane. <laughs> Oh, 
right, there we go. So, uh, but I that, that those were some of the most appropriate jokes that I could find. So, a, a puke joke, a cheap joke, and a hitchhiking joke. So, we can go with that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, um, before we get to it, my, my favorite moment of Roy Clark on TV. Um, I found an older thing, uh, from the, I don't know exactly what year it was sometime in the sixties, probably about 64, maybe 62 ish. I don't know, but he was on the Jimmy Dean show and he did this thing where he played electric guitar, banjo and the fiddle all within a two minute time frame. And it was, it was so amazing. Uh, you know, but, uh, uh, check this out. Okay, guys, let's start it up for me. One, two, three, four, six, seven, This is electric guitar he's playing here. So he's switching over, trying to get the banjo. There's a little slapstick going on, and trying to get his the pick. instruments in two minutes and not a sour note on one of them i mean yeah that's talent yeah yeah so uh you know he uh, roy clark and um uh, buck owens both incredible musicians and i they they really transcended just you know country stuff and buck owens of course did one of my favorite halloween songs uh, uh monsters holiday god i love that song but, um, you know, the, my first experience with, uh, um, and I don't know if any of you guys remember this. Joe, do you remember when he was, uh, Roy Clark was on The Odd Couple? 
Vaguely, yes, I do. Yeah, did, Michelle, did you ever see that, or Miles? Did you did you ever see? No, no, I don't know. I do not remember that episode. I saw a well, lot of the Odd Couple, but well, this as a child blew me away, and I saw it again as a teenager. Um, in in syndication, when after I'd started playing guitar, and I started listening to a lot of like the neoclassical guitarists, like Ingve Malmsteen, and. You know, uh, well, I'll I'll throw out a whole bunch of names, and you probably guys don't even know who Ingve Malmsteen is, but uh, you know, but um, uh, even guys like Eddie Van Halen, who were very uh, very influential in um, you know modern guitar playing, um, Roy Clark was doing it before they did, and Roy Clark uh, he had a a, a big hit um, in the late sixties, early seventies with a flamenco song called uh Malaguena I I don't I don't know if I'm saying it right or not but um in his appearance on the odd couple um uh, uh apparently he did something and I don't know I didn't watch the whole episode but there um he ended Roy Clark did something and screwed up Felix's audition for something but you know to make it up for him he's like here I'll play you something on guitar and in if you listen in in this there are techniques, guitar techniques that you will hear that um, are played by, you know, rock guitarists, metal guitarists, uh, pop guitarists, uh, country guitarists. Um, it, he did so many different techniques, all on acoustic guitar, mind you. I've heard him play this on electric guitar, too. But he was playing this on a classical guitar. Classical guitars are notoriously difficult to play because they're the ones with, you know, the... Um, they don't have metal strings. They've got like the, uh, I don't know what they're made out of, but it's like they're they're kind of like a plastic feeling, like ten whatever, cat gut, whatever they make tennis rackets out of, Joe. Um, <laughs> and, um, but just listen to this. This is absolutely stunning. Felix, I'm sorry that I messed up your audition. No, 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 that's all right. I just, I don't know what comes out. I just have to do it my way. Of course. Listen, now for me, Play some Bach on the guitar. No more Bach. Will you play my favorite Mountain Dew? No, 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 no. Play a nice classical thing, please. I don't want to hear anything classical. I want to hear Mountain Dew. Wait. <laughs> Could I do something for myself? I'm going to pause it real quick. Thank you, Foxfire. It's uh, pronounced Malaga uh, Malagena uh, is what he's uh, playing here. He's entitled...
this. Finally played Bach for me. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't Bach. Uh, but yeah, and actually, I stand corrected. Theo Theo mentions, no, those those were steel strings. I'm Listening to it again, I'm hearing that those were steel strings. Because uh, I have a couple steel string acoustic guitars, and there's no, there's a very distinct uh, resonance from steel strings that was, was there. Um, there. The last technique he did there before he wrapped up the song, where he was doing a hammer-on technique, which Eddie Van Halen did constantly where you're, you're not using a pick, but you're actually like pounding the strings with your, with your fingers uh, to, uh, you know, on different notes um, uh, to come up with a, a really cool percussive uh, effect. Um, but yeah, that was just absolutely stunning. Um, you know, so many of those techniques, his, his picking speed and uh, his double picking speed, just remarkable. Um, that's one thing that I, I, I used to pride myself in. I was, a, I was a pretty fast, uh, uh, double picker. Uh, <laughs> no, only one Kenny pick, please. Um, so, <laughs> but yeah, so, uh, I, I just had to showcase that a lot of people, uh, don't know the depth of talent Roy Clark possessed. And I thought that since his birthday was, um, uh, let's see, when was exactly was his birthday? His birthday was April 15th, 1933. He just passed away a couple years ago at the age of 85, uh, 2018. Um, but what a what a real treasure and a talent. Um, but yeah, so uh, good music there, huh? You know, from uh, what everybody might have thought was a, uh, you know, just a, a hokey uh, hillbilly player, you know? Yeah, that, yeah no, that's definitely uh, a lot of skills and... Hee-haw, man, yeah. I, I remember watching that in my youth, and uh, I'm curious how many... Because there are a lot of older people on that show, so I'm mm -hmm. just wondering like, how many are left alive. I'm sure probably a lot of the... the, the you know, there were a lot of younger... Uh, you know, a lot of young ladies on the show that yeah, probably yeah, I remember that, yeah. are, are still with us, but... Yeah, it's uh, that's how I you know I look at all these shows now because you know we were just talking, um, well when we did that uh, the final episode of Geeky Gals and Guys and we were talking about Green Acres, uh, the guy who played Eb, uh, he he just passed away, not that long ago. Joe Joe and I were talking about that, and uh, yeah, that was not long. Yeah, so uh, but yeah, I, I couldn't tell you, and uh, I know Minnie Pearl died a long time ago too. Um, loved her. She rem Minnie Pearl reminded me of my grandma. Um, so, uh, she even looked a little bit like her. Um, but, uh, just picture Minnie Pearl with glasses and not, and without the hat. So, <laughs> and, uh, or the price tag or the price tag or the price tag. 
So, uh, but anyway, um, uh, you know, and that was funny for, for the longest time, there was a trend where guys were buying baseball caps and leaving the tags on them. Just, I, I don't know why it was a really dorky thing to do, but every time I'd see these guys walking around with baseball caps with the sticker and the price tag still dangling off them, I'm like modern day mini pearls. Look at that. <laughs> so uh, oh boy. Not, not likely. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, uh, but, uh, I, I just, I should have gone up to one and said, Hey, uh, you big mini Pearl fan. And they'd be like, what? You know? So mm-hmm. anyway, but, uh, all right. Well, we don't have a lot of time left uh, for this segment. So I figure we better bang out, uh, why the hell is Tom Selleck so damned angry? <laughs> what is wrong with him? Uh, well, always, he's mad. Yeah. Well, he's been the spokesperson for AAG, uh, for some time now. Yeah, it's a reverse mortgage, uh, lender. And um, uh, we, we, we talked about this a while ago on my old show. Uh, and, you know, Tom Selleck would, would say... Uh, Look, this isn't my first rodeo. Yeah, or, you know... Uh, uh, and let me tell you something. Okay, and, you know... I wouldn't be here if I thought reverse mortgages took advantage of any American senior. So we pointed out, it's like, dude, why are you so defensive? Uh, you know, because he, he's been progressively been getting angrier as these commercials come out. And this is, um, but listen, listen to this. I mean, it, I was scared the first time I heard, it. I was like not paying attention and it came on the TV and I was like, damn, he's really mad about not having that Indiana Jones money, isn't he? Um, so uh, I think that's what it is. I think that's what it is. But yeah, so. Um, <laughs> he had to mortgage his house because of that. Yeah, yeah. So, so here are here's the the first few seconds of the of the new AAG ad with Tom Selleck, so you can see how angry he is. Look, I gotta say something. I said it before, and I'll say it again. If I thought a reverse mortgage was just some kind of trick to take your home, I wouldn't even be here. It's just a loan, like any other, with one big difference. Uh-huh. And that difference is how you choose to pay it back. You're going to pay it with <laughs> blood <laughs> blood and tears. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we've gone from uh, this. And, and I love it because now he's saying, look, at the beginning of all of them. Uh, but uh, we've gone from. And let me tell you something. To. I got to say something. Wow. <laughs> And uh, and and then here's here's the end of the the new ad. Look, reverse mortgages look. aren't going to work for everyone, but if you're looking for some extra cash for whatever reason, your home's equity just might be the right solution. Uh-huh. Why don't you give AAG a call? I trust them. You can too. Oh, I gotta okay. say something. <laughs> Would you under underwrite the loan? Yeah, I I just want to ask how many how many uh, uh, of these loans have you taken out yourself, Tom Selleck? Uh, you know. Yeah. Right. How'd you pay him back with Indiana Jones yeah, money? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, that, uh, cutting to the quick, you are. Yeah. So if anybody doesn't yeah. know, Tom Selleck turned down uh, Indiana Jones to stay on Magnum PI. Um, but uh, a great career move. Yeah, um, I trust him. You can too. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, well. Now he does blue bloods. Now he does right? blue bloods. Yeah, 
Yeah, and, he, and, he sell, and he tries to get people to sell off their homes. Oh, wow. So, uh, so yeah. So, there, there you go. Um, uh, and, Michelle, you found a surviving cast member of Hee Haw? I found several. Barbie Benton. Mm. Oh, okay. Lula Hutton. Mm. Lulu Roman. Misty Rowe. Mm. And Gallard Sartain. And I put a picture of Gallard Sartain from the days. You'll recognize him. Oh, yeah. He's a oh, character yeah. actor. He's in a lot of things. He's still alive. Oh, very cool. Thank you for wow. that. So... Uh, but, uh, you know, so, so there you go. Michelle had something to say. I gotta say something. Yeah. So, yeah, well. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, yeah, Tom Selleck, we will keep posting, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep you posted on how angry, uh, Tom Selleck is in the days to come. <laughs> I, th- I think he's going to start coming after our homes, even if we don't have reverse mortgages. I think so. I think that's his plan. Oh my God. It's an evil, evil plan. Anyway, Look, it's not his first rodeo, so we no. know that. Yeah. <laughs> Look, this isn't my first rodeo. Yeah. He anyway, knows what's what. yeah, he does he know what's what. what. Uh, I gotta say something. Oh, that sounded great with that horror music. So again, provided by Kill the Hippies. But anyway, we gotta go to the break. We'll be right back with more. It came from Cleveland right after this. I trust him. You can't too. And now, on with the show. Lift up the seat! It's going to be a good night. Cleveland, Ohio. A land of strange rituals. The savage horrors of fearsome mutated beasts. Back from the dead. Kept alive by experimental science. Science runs amok when human beings tamper with unknown forces. Cut the power! Now at last, the real shocking story can be told. We are giving you all the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the miserable souls who survived this terrifying ordeal. A nightmare combination of shock and terror. And you're invited. A foolish hunter. Something evil. He came from Cleveland. He's smart, not dumb, like everybody says. Not recommended for impressionable children. All right, yeah, put those kids to bed. Game from Cleveland's back. And, uh, of course, I'm your host, Kenny Quick, and joining me, Joe Santorza. Welcome, sir. You know, I just thought of a great new Twilight Zone script. Oh, yeah? Based on reverse mortgages. <laughs> I gotta say something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, very good. Would it be called Not My First Rodeo? <laughs> I don't know what we'd call it, but I yeah. figure, you know, the guy goes to the bank, gets a reverse mortgage, and the house turns on him. Oh, okay. So the house that eats. <laughs> that eats, eats the, mor- the mortgager. <laughs> there you go. It depends on how you pay it back. That's the name of the episode. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There you go. <laughs> Uh, how it's how you, it's, it it's ha- how, it, how you pay it back. Yeah, there we go. So, do 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 do. Yeah, so uh, there it is. Uh, and uh, of course, so welcome back, Michelle. Hello, Michelle. Yeah, hello. That you, sounds like a really creepy Twilight Zone episode. But yeah. I'd rather house the house with eat um, selling. You pay it back with your yeah. soul. <laughs> you didn't exactly. know that the banker was the devil. True, true. So, uh, and anyway, Miles, welcome back to you as well, sir. Hello, hello, thank you. 
All right. Well, I'm going to try and go through this as quickly as possible, but I've come up with a new segment uh, for the show. No jingle for it yet, but each episode that has it will uh, uh, it will have its own specific uh, jingle. Um, and this is called um, Spinning Out of Control. This is Give Me a Break versus Adam 12. We're going to play these clips uh, from Adam-12, an Adam-12 episode that appeared to be a backdoor pilot for an all-new series. Uh, the episode is Season 6, Episode 24, um, A Clinic on 18th Street, versus Give Me a Break, Season 2, Episode 21, uh, called uh, Nell and the Kid. Although it wasn't much of Nell and the Kid, it was more of Don Rickles and the Kid. So this is crazy. Mm -hmm. This is crazy. The uh, we'll start with the Adam Twelve one, and we'll we'll find out from you, you guys, and our listeners, which uh, would the would the world have been a better place with either one of these uh, spinoffs in in our lives? Um, but the uh, the Adam Twelve episode, uh, a clinic on Eighteenth Street, basically had um, uh, Mark Milner and Kent McCord as Reed and Malloy in it for uh, about. 10 seconds at the beginning of the episode and about five seconds at the end. <laughs> the rest was an all new cast, uh, comprised of Ed Nelson, Frank Sinatra, Jr. Sharon, Sharon glass, who you guys might remember from Cagney and Lacey. Uh, and, uh, and, um, Oh, interestingly enough, the, the old dude who played the custodian in the beginning of this, and I can't figure out who he was. um, uh, he was in all kinds of other stuff. He was the guy on the floor in the beginning of the Twilight Zone episode that the criminal knocked out. He's an old character actor, but basically, I don't know if he was an ever a young actor. He just always looked old in everything he was in. Um, uh, but uh, but yeah, so the Adam-12 episode was, I liked it a lot. I thought it had potential to become, a, it, was, it was basically the, the DA's office where they were busting fraud. And uh, this is um, this is part one. And um, this it, it, it has to do with this clinic on 18th Street where there's a quack doctor who, Joe, you as a diabetic, I'm sure will appreciate uh, this. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, I, I'm looking for a belt like that on Amazon. <laughs> you need a belt. So, I need uh, a belt. So here's, uh, here's, here's the first clip. And you say you've been a diabetic for how long, Mr. Watkins? Almost 30 years now. And we haven't tried any other type of treatment, have we? Only the daily insulin shots, which have increased in the past few weeks. I think it's time we started a new type of treatment. Have you ever seen one of these? No. You know, the space program has done wonderful things for medical science. Oh, the space program. Now, this <laughs> is an electrocharged oscillator belt. Oh, It will stimulate oscillator. the pancreas so that it produces its own insulin. You don't say. How much need? would something like this cost? Now, now, I don't want you to worry about that. I'm a pensioner, doctor. I don't know how much I can afford. We'll arrange a loan for you, Mr. Watkins. The last thing I want you to worry about is money. And I guarantee you, 
It'll be the greatest investment you've ever made in and for your life. And when you start using this belt faithfully, you can throw away that insulin. Wonderful, Doctor. Wonderful. Now, why don't you wait for me in my office? Thank you, Doctor. Thank you. There's my little sweetheart. Come on in, huh? Now, how are you today? We're going to cut scene to the board, little lady. (laughs) Will she ever see? You can bet on it. All right, here we go. Now we're going to the board. Make the necessary credit arrangements for Watkins, will you? Anybody been assigned out of detectives? Yes, sir. Art Wilson, a homicide. He asked us to fill you in. We got the original DB call. It's not a pure homicide. Cause of death was natural. Diabetic shock. What makes it special for us? This. It was strapped around the old man when we found him. What's it supposed to do? Wilson says you're in charge of major frauds. You figured you might tell him. Yeah. So there was Reed and Malloy, uh, the, the bulk of their appearance on the show. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so it, it, I, I think it was well done and I think it, it probably could have been a halfway decent show. Um, it, you know, it, because the cast was good and, you know, Frank Sinatra Jr. That's pretty cool. Um, and, uh, but yeah, it, and you could really tell there were a lot of fingerprints on this, that this was heavily Jack Webb. Uh, of course, because his production company did Adam Twelve and a ton of other shows, um, but yeah. So, so I don't know. What, what, what do you guys think? Uh, right off the bat, would a would a uh, um, uh, a show of the day, a district attorney uh, show back in the day? I, you know, I know there was like Mister District Attorney and stuff like that back in the day, but uh, this could in, in the Adam Twelve universe, this could have worked. I think. Yeah, it was more like a consumer protection agency. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, or or the, you know, the attorney general's office and things like that. I, I I found the belt intriguing because there is a they they sell a hat now that grows hair. Did you ever see that one? No, no. But I did hear uh, I did hear about uh, uh, this genius told me something about growing hair. I met a genius once. He told me chicken fat would grow hair. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> well, chicken, chicken fat won't put a laser hat. Will. Yeah, I did. I, but, yeah, I, I did found, see the ad for that. I found it interesting that, uh, yeah, they, they would, wearing a belt would, uh, solve your diabetes. Uh, yeah, that's, that yeah. would work for me. I'd sure. be dead. <laughs> yeah. No, so. I don't take solve all the problems mm-hmm. in the world. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't take insulin, but I know people who do, mm-hmm. and you can't do it without insulin. Yeah, or yeah. you're dead. That's true. That's true. So, uh, but uh, now, uh, uh, Miles, did you watch any of these older cop shows when you were growing up? No, uh, Adam Twelve. I have some vague memories of, but nothing really stands out clearly. Yeah, I think I was more emergency than Adam Twelve. Oh, I saw a great emergency today, the plane crash one. It was epic. Did you, did you, do you remember that one? No. I think a helicopter and an airplane collided or something like that. And man, it was just, they were taking full advantage of like this huge disaster area that they made for the, the show. So, um, but yeah, there, oh, there's the laser hat. Thanks for that, Joe. So, oh, my. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> 
but yeah, so so this seemed like a, a well constructed show. Um, you know, and I'm yeah. I'm not going to have enough time to. Well, you know, I probably it was should. a little disturbing toward the end. When, it was when the little girl with the tumor in their brain. Yeah, uh, that was yeah. a stretch. It was. It was. I'm I'm going to have to. I don't have enough time to play all the clips, so I'm just going to play uh, the the last one from it to just to show the uh, the intensity of. Um, uh, What's his name? Ed Nelson is a- Abe Strayhorn, the DA. Uh, this is uh, this is his like uh, parting uh, his parting speech. You can hear Jack Webb just dripping out of his mouth. How about dropping the murder charge and we'll plead guilty to one count of two seventy three A? Nope, no deals. Look, if you suspend proceedings with no time in the county jail, you can supervise him on probation, keep him out of trouble. Forget it, Don. He stands on murder too. You're a hard man, Stray. Hard. Let me tell you about your client. He cut one guy's life short. And that little seven-year-old might never live to be eight. He may have suckered you with all his smooth talk and all those he fooled into thinking they had incurable diseases. That might sound all right to you. But the rotten part is some of those people really are sick and really need help. Like the old man he put in the morgue, and God only knows how many more he put there before him. You got it right, Don. As far as your client's concerned, I am hard. Damn hard. Phrasing. I am hard. Damn hard. <laughs> you might want to get a tape recorder. <laughs> you might want to get a tape recorder. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's that's good advice. Um, and uh, wow, that that. Oh my god. That, no, sorry, inappropriate thoughts. Sorry. Yeah. Um. Uh, it, that's definitely a Friday speech. Yeah. I can't find that clip, but yeah, that was definitely a, a Joe Friday um, thing. So, all right, so I'm gonna let me pick a couple out from uh, "Give Me a Break" uh, season. Uh, this this is we could have had kind of, uh, and, and you know, this this really now that I think of it, it's, just, it's 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 in the vein of like Webster and uh, you know different strokes where there's kind of like the white savior kind of thing for a you know kid who's not as fortunate whatever uh you know which is kind of offensive today but Don Rickles of all people who always struck me as being a very mean man <laughs> um <laughs> but uh he he could have starred as Max a delicatessen owner uh in a spin-off of Give Me a Break and this is uh the the uh, young girl in this Danny steals from uh, Max, and here's some of the comedy and hilarity that ensues. Next time you ring the bell like that, you better be on fire. Okay, I didn't see anyone. Where were you anyway? Well, if you'd like to know, nature called. Well, looks like Mother Nature called you and hung up. <laughs> Bingo! One for the lady with the runaway mouth. Ah, <laughs> uh, give me. Two pounds of roast beef, mm-hmm. a pound of pastrami, mm-hmm. uh, some coleslaw, a loaf of rye bread. I'll be with you in a minute. That's okay. Take your time. Anything else? Uh, how about the Swiss cheese? Is it fresh? Absolutely. It was yodeling this morning. <laughs> okay, well, give me some pastrami and we we'll slice it real thin. We we'll watch out for your fingers because you have to count with them. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, kid. Yeah? Hey. School out already? Uh, well, not regular school, but I go to a special school for bright kids. I'm one of those mentally gifted genius children you read about. Oh, really? I met a genius once. He told me chicken fat would grow hair. Uh, is that 
In the flesh. Sturgeon? Oh, Max, I haven't had sturgeon in years. Is that $22.50? What do you feed it, lobster? <laughs> hey, now, I don't make any profit on sturgeon. It costs me $19 wholesale. And with the overage and the spoilage, I make about eight cents a pound. I still couldn't afford it. Mm. What about shark? What about shark? Well, if the shark eats the sturgeon, you get two for one. <laughs> yeah, Can I have my groceries, please? Mm. Yeah, here it is. That'll be, uh, 20 bucks plus tax. For what? For a service with a smile. Max, please don't smile on my food. You'll spoil it. <laughs> hey. Oh, here, ma'am. Let me carry that out for you. Hey, wait a minute, kid. Hey, 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 wait a minute. Hey. Why? What's the matter? What's the matter? This kid is stealing me blind. What are you talking about? I didn't take anything. You didn't, huh? What is this? Pizza looking for an anchovy? <laughs> How did they get in there? Oh, they were probably going upstream to spawn under your armpit. <laughs> All right, so yeah, so he caught, caught her stealing. Turns out uh, the kid's uh, uh, grandmother got, died, Danny, uh, who played, was played by Lashonda Dendy. Doesn't look like she had much of a career after this um, in acting. Um and uh, so basically, you know, they hear the sob story. The, the chief is, you know, he's going to press charges. And, of course, the chief who was played by the late Dolph Sweet on uh, Give Me a Break, uh, you know, he's like, you're not going to press charges? No, not going to press charges. So they, they're like, why don't you take her home with you and, 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 you know, and she'll work for you and stuff like that. Well, turns out uh, she started working for him, but she ate herself sick while working at the deli. And uh, this is the puke humor that ensues from this uh, from this lost gem on, of television that we could have had for season after season uh, of, uh, Mac, I guess, Max's Delicatessen or Max and Danny. I don't know what they would have called it. Hey, look, if you want me to leave, you're going to have to make some changes. What do you think this is, Little House on the Prairie? <laughs> and, and toss up that beat-up old rug. This beat-up old rug was given to me by my grandmother from the old country. Where's that? Brooklyn. <laughs> Gee, are you stupid. And you can um, get some curtains and repaint the walls. Listen, this was good enough for my wife, and it's going to be good enough for you. Your wife? You mean you actually got someone to marry you? <laughs> hey, I'm getting tired of your smart, your smart mouth, kid. Hey, I'm getting tired of your mouth. You noticed I left out smart. Oh, we got a problem, kid. Oh, we got a problem. No, no, kid, this isn't going to work out. I feel bad. What? What was it? What was it? Is something ate down in the store today? Well, I didn't really eat anything except for some sturgeon. How much? Everything after the head. Oh, God. Twenty-two fifty. Twenty-two fifty a pound. I should let you die. But I hardly touched the pickle beets and the three bean salad. Hey, don't throw up on the rug, kid. Not in here. No country. Oh, listen, kid, could I give you a bit of advice? Lift up the seat! (laughs) 
Every time she flushes, I lose money. <laughs> so there you go. I don't know. What, what, let's, what is our, the jury is out. What, what, what show do you think you guys would have rather seen? Don Rickles uh, uh, raising a, 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 um, a, a girl who had misfortune in her life and uh, was a little, little sassy troublemaker. Or, uh, or or Frank Sinatra Jr. in a district attorney uh, show. <laughs> Michelle, what do you think you would have rather seen? Um, I, I I probably would have rather seen the Don Rickles spinoff, <laughs> just because you know, <laughs> I just I, I would have liked to see how the the little girl tortured him. Yeah, that would have been good. Uh, what about you, Miles? What do you think would have been the better uh, I- spinoff? I prob I for my personal interest I probably would have gone with the Adam Twelve spinoff. All right, uh, Joe, you're the tiebreaker here. I'll remain impartial. Which show would you have rather seen? I would have liked to see the district attorney investigate Don Rickles for hiring an underage person and uh, <laughs> child labor laws. You some sort of weirdo, <laughs> and then have them both canceled. <laughs> Uh, wait, flush them down the toilet? Lift up the That's seat. right. So, and here's uh, some <laughs> advice. Pick up the lid. <laughs> yeah. Lift, lift up. up the seat! But, you lift know, hey, up. but, you know, I did oh. I, I did love the fact that you brought up the, the hat that would grow hair, and I had this clip. I met a genius once. He told me chicken fat would grow hair. So I think I'll be the tiebreaker then and say I would have rather seen the Don Rickles one. But honest to God, I would have loved it if both of them were made. Um, because I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm at that, I'm at that age where any old TV is good TV to me. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so there we go. Well, I'll tell you what, I want to go to break a little bit early. I've been taking up a lot of time and I want to make sure Miles has got enough breathing room and Michelle has enough breathing room for what they want to talk about. And of course, we're all going to be talking about the Twilight Zone at the end of the show, but this show's flying by. What do you think so far? Are you guys having fun on our new on, on our episode three? Oh yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah. You're good. Yes. Excellent. Uh, especially right. the sturgeon part. Yeah, yeah. Any any show with sturgeon jokes, you sturgeon. know is gonna be a good show. And so, vomit. Sturgeon and, and retching. vomit. Yes, retching, yeah. retching in the bathroom. Sure. <laughs> so yeah. I think I'm gonna be sick. Yeah. So <laughs> I am hard. Damn hard. Oh, yeah. I gotta say something. <laughs> oh, maybe that's what uh, uh, Tom Selleck is doing. He's channeling Jack Webb. <laughs> now, see, that would have been a great sitcom. There you go. Reverse All right. mortgage. <laughs> All right. Coming up, uh, we it's the return of the robots. But before that, we're gonna. Oh, and the robots are gonna answer a question for Caitlin, Chris. Uh, whether or not they want to be vaccinated. And, of course, uh, Adam will uh, is presenting the second mythical moment uh, on the show, and that's very exciting. We'll be right back. You're some sort of weirdo? For Radio for Humans and It Came from Cleveland, this is Adam Hebert with Mythical Minute number two. Japan has a long history of monster culture dating back thousands of years. In Japanese, one of the terms for these sorts of creatures is yokai. Today we will be looking at one of the most enduring and popular yokai, the river monster known as the kappa. The name kappa is a portmanteau of the Japanese words for river and child. They are humanoid in form and about the size of a small child, with webbed hands and feet with claws. 
They have green scaly skin and a curious indentation in their head that holds some sort of liquid, usually water. Finally, they have a turtle shell on their back. Other qualities of the kappa are their love of sumo wrestling as well as enjoyment of eating phallic vegetables. Kappa are usually seen as a menace in folklore for several reasons. First, they sometimes would just outright drown those unfortunate enough to encounter them. Also, they might simply drink all their blood. The most bizarre thing that a kappa might do is attack humans to gain power through devouring their shiro kodama, a mystical organ supposedly housed in one's behind. So, you have an aquatic creature that, best case scenario, wants to drown you, and worst case, wants something that is up your butt. How do you defend yourself against such a creature? There are several ways. First is by showing good manners and giving the creature a deep bow. The creature, obsessed with politeness, will bow deeply in return, and this will cause the indentation on their heads to empty, depriving them of power until it is refilled again. It is said that if the would-be victim does that for the kappa, the kappa will help them for all eternity. You can also offer a cucumber, which kappa are very fond of and will let you go in exchange for it. This led to the Japanese tradition of throwing cucumbers with the names of loved ones carved into them and into rivers. The premise was that the kappas of the world would remember this kindness and spare the person whose name was on the cucumber. Some legends say that the potential victim can also simply pull the kappa's arm out of its socket with the kappa willing to do favors to ensure its return. So there you have it folks, if you're ever in Japan and you're worried about encountering a kappa, the best thing you can do is mind your manners, keep calm, and carry a cucumber. For Radio for Humans and it came from Cleveland, this has been Adam Hebert with your Mythical Minute. Back to you, Kenny. Background music by Alexander Nakarada, adventure-free, royalty-free medieval fantasy music, available on YouTube. Thanks, Alexander. Time to check in with the robots. Our question this week comes from Caitlin Chris. She wants to know if we will be vaccinated. What? Heck no. I am a red-blooded American robot and I have eagle blood filled with freedom antibodies that will fight off any infection. Vaccines be damned. I'm with you, fellow robot fellow. Vaccines are for wimps and science type sheeple. I'm not risking my super American self to some dumb thing that I don't even understand. I will have my ignorant bliss and the rest of the world can chug down that poison and grow an extra head out of their butthole. You're so smart. Nobody wants a butthole head. Not me especially. I'm an incredibly patriotic patriot that celebrates patriotism every patriotic day of my patriotic life. You've got mail. Oh. Hold on I just got an interesting e email. This is an interesting e email. It looks like I need to verify all of my personal information and my banking information with Amazon.stuff.thingy.phishingscam.sucker.com. Let me get my wallet and follow these sensitive instructions and make sure this Amazon.stuff.thingy.phishingscam.sucker.com has everything they need from me. 
I love sharing accurate information about myself. Wow, that is super cool. Can you give them my email address so I can update my American social security number and diners club card? Okay, other robot. What is your e email address? My email address is American Super Freedom Eagle that will never be chained by a tyrannical freedom-hating government. At bing.com. The password is passwords are dumb. One, two, three. Okay then. I sent the email with our sensitive information. We should be hearing back from Amazon.thingy.stuff.scamface.pots.pans.barfbag.us anytime now. You've got mail. Oh lucky day. Here is the e e e e e mail now. What does it say? Well let me take a looky see at this EIEIO mail. It is. I can't believe it. I think we have been scammed. And I think we may have been infected by a virus. Oh glory be. Your accounts have been locked and your computer has been hijacked. Send us 50,000 robot dollars or we will melt your brain for being stupid dorks. You have 5 seconds to comply. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Goodbye. Oh, those wacky robots. Thanks so much. Be sure to send your listener questions to Kenny Pick for the robots to answer. before he wears us down. Uh-oh. Phrasing. <laughs> I am hard. Damn hard. <laughs> All right, uh, there's another teaser clip for everybody. And, of course, welcome back uh, to the program, uh, Mr. Joe Santorsa and Michelle and Miles. So, came from Cleveland's episode three and... For the first time, uh, Miles is going to be presenting some uh, science news because we like science, unlike some folks who don't. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Well, they're welcome to listen as well, but uh, yeah, yeah, this is going to be a uh, fact-oriented uh, segment. <laughs> I just hope my liberties remain intact by the end. Uh, I can't promise that. But, uh, <laughs> All right, so where, where are we heading tonight? Uh, uh... Uh, first thing I want to touch on is the uh, the Perseverance, the Mars rover that uh, just landed uh, recently because yes. it, it's in the news um, because it is supposed to be very recently launching its rover, which will be the first man, not manned, but first flight of a vehicle made by man on another planet. Which is history making. Um, it's a very tiny little machine. It's only four pounds. Uh, everything. I mean, it's got little solar cells on it, rotors. Its its legs look like 
thin little fiberglass rods just <laughs> just, yeah. just sticking out in every direction just to give it a, bay, a solid platform to land on. But this thing has no sensors on it. Um, I think it's got a camera, but it doesn't have any scientific uh, uh, instrumentations, unlike the main uh, Perseverance machine does. So its job, it's basically the purpose of this rover is to prove that flight can happen, you know, and so for future um, missions to include something with that's a little more elaborate, but that mm -hmm. it is possible to fly in the Martian atmosphere, which is a lot thinner than the Earth atmosphere. Yeah. And so as a result of that, this little rover has to really crank its rotors faster in order to get lift because it doesn't have as many air molecules to fling about as a, 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 here on earth when you're, you know, uh, at, at sea level, you got all kind of, you know, atmosphere is pushing um, 14, 16 pounds per square inch, something like that. And on Mars, nowhere near. So that is supposed to happen. It was supposed to, it was scheduled to supposed to happen back into uh, Sunday. And uh, then that didn't work out. And then, Yesterday, that didn't work out. So I, I don't know what its latest is. But uh, so this little rover. Now, cool little factoid on mm -hmm. this little rover that I saw, and it thrilled me. So on this on this little machine, this little four-pound machine is a piece of fabric. Michelle, you're not allowed to answer because you already know the answer. But uh, can any, would anyone like to take a guess? This piece of fabric, what its significance is. Mm. Is it uh, something that reacts to uh, water moisture? No, it's it's historic. Oh, it's historic. Um, um, Joe, is it a piece of the Wright brothers' airplane? Yes, it is. Ding, ding, ding. So the first vehicle to obtain flight on Earth, a small piece of fabric, is on the first vehicle that will obtain flight on Mars. So I saw that little factoid, and I was like, "Wow, that 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 just thrills me uh, just to see." The no, little, that's great because you know you know that I mean scientists have an eye towards history, you know, and and uh, true building legacies. And so they had to go, you know that they had to jump through some hoops to uh, even make the request. And well, uh, they apparent, procure apparently it, it got green-lighted. So. They procure it from the Smithsonian Air, Air and Space Museum? I right. imagine that's, I think that's where the, the, the right flyer is currently. Um, I didn't look up where it's at, but the, uh, yeah, whoever has the right flyer. It would make sense that it is there. Um, I haven't been to that museum yet. That is one I'd like to go to. Oh, I've been to the regular Smithsonian's and stuff like that, but not yeah. the one that has all the big, uh, like the, I, I think I've, no, I'm thinking of the Spirit of St. Louis. Well, um, yeah, yeah, I've. That's, uh, that's what's hanging in the, in the lobby of the, you're talking about the Air and Space Museum. Yeah. I think yeah. they also moved a, a portion of that to Langley. Well, when I was Langley. there. Langley. When yeah, I, I, a, a portion like the Enola Gay uh, mm -hmm. and oh. historic uh, airplanes like that are Lang they have a, a like an annex of the Air and Space Museum at Langley. Yeah, 
I um uh what I was there in the eighties at the at the Air and Space Museum um and uh, uh they had an Apollo capsule um and uh, you know what was really cool when you first walked in they actually had uh, I'm guessing the scale is probably one like a one fifth or, 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 or you know or, or, I don't know. Uh, they had a giant model of the Starship Enterprise in there. And oh, wow. uh, it looked like, you know, it probably was big enough to, like, hold Star Wars action figures, you know? It was enormous. Oh. So I guess that's, um, I'm not sure the scale. I think that's one third or something, like, or what one colon three scale or something like that. So, um, but yeah, it was it was impressive. Okay, cool. So uh, the Perseverance, it took off last July 30th and uh, six-month or eight-month uh, travel time to get to Mars from Earth. Um, it, it landed in February, I think, 18th. Yeah, February 18th at, uh, at, at its current... Um, oh, wow. It says it landed in a river delta in a lake that was once filled the Jezero Crater. Wow, so they're saying that there was once uh, 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 water on Mars. Wow, that's impressive. All right, so... Oh, it was uh, the studio model. It was the studio model from uh, Star Trek. Oh, 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 that's that's cool. That is very cool. little smaller so, than, than uh, I'd say maybe about this size for maybe little green plastic army men. Oh, that's how big it oh, is. Oh, okay. Or maybe cool. HO scale figures uh you know something along those lines so uh the perseverance is uh it's got you know six wheels and a little helicopter and it's got like i think it's got seven major um uh scientific instruments on it there's a there's something called a mast cam z it's a camera system it's panoramic and stereoscopic that's cool a super a super cam that can uh, do chemical composition analysis and meteorology at distance. An X-ray, uh, what? Is, oh, spectrometer. Oh, those are badass. That really is uh, for fine scale element composition of uh, uh, of samples that it can pull up from the Martian surface. A scanning habitable environment. What does that do? Oh, ultraviolet laser for mapping mineralogy and organic compounds. Yeah, because yeah, uh, the carbon is a big deal uh, uh, mm -hmm. on uh, for when you want to have life. Yep. Um, oxygen. This one is super cool. It will. It, it's it's a uh, it's an ability to demonstrate that you can produce oxygen from the Martian atmosphere. Oh wow! That will be a huge huge thing if this thing works for us to be able to get. Uh, you know, humans on Mars mm -hmm. as because if you can't get oxygen, yeah, you're kind of dead in the water. Yeah. They're even thinking of using uh, oxygen um, in a in a way to help get the fuel to return home. So that that's a that's an exciting exciting um, instrument. I'm looking forward to what that's able to do, perform. Uh, there's another analyzer measures temperature, wind speed, direction, pressure, all kinds of cool. Uh, it's a weather analyzer, if you will, and mm -hmm. a radar imager. I think it's a ground penetrating. Yep, ground penetrating radar. They took that 
to Mars to pick up uh, stuff. That that is also very very cool. So that's the Perseverance. It's got all kinds of just good toys. It's a it's a it's a and and I've seen pictures where it shows a uh, the wheel tracks and it's already traversed good over like you know 200 feet plus and it's just a, a line of tracks going off in the distance. So uh, very exciting. Now I'm going to divert over to a quick story on the Insight. Yes. Okay. The Insight. That is something that landed back in 2018, and that's not a mobile uh, rover. Sorry, it's not a rover at all. It just landed, and it's got some instruments on it. It's it's um, It's got two horizontal solar panels on it. Unlike the Perseverance, the Perseverance, I believe, has uh, you, uh, some plutonium-238 on board, and it uses the decaying of that element to provide warmth, to provide power, and yeah. it also has solar cells, but it, has, it does at least have that. Whereas the InSight relies on its solar panels. And unfortunately for the InSight, um, it is in uh, like a mesa or a, a very flat area that has not had many um, windstorms. And they were relying on windstorms to clean off the dust off of its solar panels. And right now its solar panels are, are down to the point where they're only producing 27% of the energy that they should produce from the Martian mm -hmm. sun. Uh, up in the sky. So this is a problem. So right now, the insight is going into what they're calling, uh, they're not calling it an emergency hibernate mode, but they are going to say they are hibernating it because if they cannot, you know, and they're shutting down instruments on this uh, lander. Yeah. If they cannot prevent, or if, you know, if they cannot get these solar panels to collect enough energy, uh, the batteries will die. And when that happens, now you've got a dead, a dead lander. So if they're trying to save the batteries and preserve enough energy so that it can hibernate, so that once the Martian winter is over, they can reestablish connection with it and it can come back to life and continue doing its work in its uh, lesser status because it's it's definitely got a problem. Uh, mm -hmm. But. Uh, it said somewhere that the Martian winters get down to like 130 degrees negative Celsius. Oh, that's cozy. That is, co yep, there it is. Negative 100. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Fahrenheit. That's a big difference. Negative well, 130 Fahrenheit. That's still, still cold, though. <laughs> that's still cold. And the one thing they're concerned about is if it gets too cold inside the uh, the lander, it will cause damage to some of the electronics. Sure, sure. So uh, so that's that's the news on the inside. So that's what's going Very on cool. in Mars. Um, it's it's really truly stunning what they've been able to accomplish on Mars in a very few short years. You know, uh, based on you know everything. You know, going back to the Wright brothers uh, to now. I mean, the growth in uh, space exploration is just uh, exponential. You know, uh, it, it just keeps rolling. I just saw a uh, news article talking about how NASA has approved, I think it was Elon Musk's uh, SpaceX program mm -hmm. for sending the next manned mission to the moon. Okay. If I'm not mistaken. I just saw that little, uh, I didn't, I didn't touch on, I saw it. 
I didn't really go in and do a deep dive on that, but I did see it, so I thought it was worth mentioning. Yeah. All right, so Very that's cool. the uh, news on Mars. So now I'm going to come back to Earth. News on Mars. On... <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to touch on uh, over in Africa. There is a species of rhino, the northern white rhino. And I do and have a news is... clip. I have a news yes. clip. When you want me to play it, just uh, give me the word. I will. Okay, so right now the problem with the northern uh, white rhino is... Because of poaching, habitat loss is also a factor. But primarily poaching, these animals are being, they, they, they're effectively hunted to extinction. Uh, because in prime, uh, over in Asia, in Vietnam, the horn is used as some sort of trophy or something. Yeah. But in China, apparently, they think over there, the nose hairs of this beast is an aphrodisiac. Yeah, I've heard about that. Which is, when you're talking about a country with a billion people that believe this stuff, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying everybody believes it, but the demand sure. is there. And anytime you have demand, you have people that are going to fill that demand of these poachers. Now, from what I've heard, it's like $50,000 a kilo or something like that. That's, sure. That's crazy high money. Uh, and people are willing to go over there and break the law. So the northern white rhino has been hunted to effective extinction. There are two remaining alive. Unfortunately, they're both female. Yeah. So the last uh, male uh, died, I think, back in 2016. And that, that was a horrible death. Uh, it got his, his health was sailing down to the point where the people taking care of him decided to euthanize him. Mm. Uh, because the animal, you know, once it's just living in pain, you know, uh, so. But here's the good news. And and we'll play the clip here shortly. The They got some sperm from the male, and they have also gotten some eggs, ovum, I think is the term, from the females. Unfortunately... Both surviving females that are now under armed guard 24-7 because of the poaching threat. Um, both females are not able to uh, carry a pregnancy to term. Mm -hmm. One of them has an issue with her hind legs being genetically bad or some such thing. It, it, she just couldn't handle the weight or something like that. Mm -hmm. And the other one uh, had a miscarriage and it has ruined her ability to carry it for a future mm. pregnancy. But yeah, I know. So that's right now where uh, they things stand. So I, I think we'll play the clip and you should be able to hear what they're hoping to accomplish uh, in, in this clip on the uh, what they're doing with the uh, the northern, the northern white rhinos. All right, this uh, comes to us from Voice of American News. Najin and Fatu are the last two northern white rhinos known in existence. Scientists racing against time may have just found a way to save the world's most endangered mammal. On the 12th of December, uh, we did uh, an oocyte collection where we harvest 14 oocytes. That was the highest number we ever got from a rhino, and we were extremely happy about that outcome. Thomas Hildebrandt heads reproduction management at the Leibniz Institute for Zoo and Wildlife Research in Berlin. 
after scientists retrieved the record 14 eggs from Fatu, they combined them with frozen sperm from dead males of the species. And on Christmas Eve, they added two new embryos to the other three they already had frozen, bringing the grand total to five. Hildebrandt says he's confident they can produce a calf from at least one, but the clock is ticking. We are quite under time constraints because we want really a transfer of the social knowledge from the last two existing northern red rhinos to a calf. That means we have to produce a calf under the next two, three years. The five embryos are now stored in liquid nitrogen, waiting for transfer to a surrogate mother from the southern white rhino, a subspecies numbering around 18,000. Scientists hope to deliver the first calf in three years and a wider population in the next two decades, bringing the species back from the brink of extinction. Arash Arabasadi, VOA News, Washington. All right. So that that's good news that uh, a, a, a different type of rhino will be able to uh, yes, hopefully... It is, yes, it is not exact. It is related. And so, right, I think they've done other experiments like that where I think it was either a horse that carried a zebra or a zebra that carried a horse, something along those lines. Because I know there the are hybrids of... Um, aren't, aren't there hybrids of, of donkeys and zebras, I believe? Are there? Yeah, there there are there are there are zebra hybrids uh, out there. I'll I'll look it up. I'm not sure if it's horses or donkeys, but well, I know a donkey and a, a horse can mate to make a a female a mule. All mules are female, yeah. so that's that's definitely possible. I had I don't know anything about. And the they can't re but they can't reproduce. Isn't that no, right? No, they are mule, mules. Correct. Yeah, um, non non breeding. Uh, it says Z a zebroid is the offspring of uh, any cross of a zebra and any other equine to create a hybrid. In most cases, uh, the sire is a zebra stallion. They've been bred since the 19th century. Right. So the thing about the two females, one's the mother of the other one, and they had to. Uh, I uh, they tried to uh, <laughs> pull the eggs because the mother was too protective of the daughter. They had to separate them or something. <laughs> But uh, yeah, yeah, that's how that's how that you know that's the situation uh, for for this species, and it is it's unfortunate. I mean, you can tell that the, the candle is very dim, and uh, and you're looking at five eggs that they might be, you know be able to get to 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 use to try and bring the species back. So that's uh, it's it's scary, but you know there it's it's it it is there is hope. Yeah. So. That that that's uh, you know that's a, that's that's the good news. No, that, that uh, is good. That is good. Foxfire has a correction. Foxfire has the correction on the mules. All mules are not female, but they're they're all sterile. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, good. So, uh, staking in Africa, I'm going to bring up what's going on over in Egypt as they have recently uncovered. Recently, as in, uh, I think, think in December, uh, an old city, and, um, the city of Thebes, huh. incorporates what was once the ancient city of Thebes, aka Waset. So this place was buried, or um, it's it's like three thousand four hundred years ago, and uh, this is the at the time of the, it was under the rule of Amenhotep the third. 
Ah, good old Amenhotep. Yeah, yeah, that's a pretty famous name along with uh, Tutankhamun. And they're saying that this discovery is about as important uh, since the discovery of the tomb of Tutankhamun. And no relation to Bubba Hotep, by the way. No, none at all. <laughs> well, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Any, I haven't done a uh, uh, a, 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 <laughs> a 23 and me on uh, Bubba Hotep. Yeah. But I would <laughs> so, uh, but this city, they're finding all kinds of goodies. I mean, when you've got stuff trapped under sand, it has uh, preservation qualities that are very, very impressive. They found uh, a vase, I think, that had dried meat in it. Uh, obviously, it's going mm. good, but, mum, uh, mum, mummy jerky, <laughs> right? <laughs> and and th- this is this is this is how 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 good the the preservation is. They found writing on the vessel, and they translated it for the vessel holding the uh, the dry uh, the meat, and the translation says dressed meat for the third. Heb said festival from the slaughterhouse of the stockyard of Ka made by the butcher Louis. <laughs> well, there you go. So, so this is what they're finding over there. You know, it's like, I mean, I don't know that uh, I, I, I don't know if they have papyrus. Uh, maybe they'll find papyrus mm-hmm. in some vessels, you know, that are buried. And, and yeah, they, they found a bunch of jewelry be. as well, right? Yes. Tools, jewelry. Uh, rings, uh, pottery vessels, debris from statues. Most of you know Amenhotep, of course. A uh, large number of tools. You know, uh, they're saying that this was like an industrial center for Egypt. I mean, it was making all. Yeah, kinds I, of, uh, I'm not surprised by that because I, I saw some of the pictures and it's, I scanned the articles and everything, but waited to hear more information from you. But from the design of it, I'm not surprised by that. So I, I also understand that the. Uh... Butcher Louis was the inspiration for the song Louis Louis. <laughs> uh, I, I can neither confirm nor deny. I thought he was the inspiration for uh, Don Rickles' character Max, the delicatessen owner. <laughs> there you go. Go ahead. They did find a human skeleton. It was found in an odd position with its arms stretching down against its side and the remains of rope around its knees. Huh. Mm. I don't think that death was a uh, <laughs> a consensual one. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't. That yeah, I mean, creepy. Old, old school civilizations. There's all kinds of craziness. Oh uh, yeah, back in the day. So they have found the cemetery. So they're expecting to dig up um, some exciting tombs of uh, there and expecting expecting to find you know treasure and whatnot. They found a zigzagging wall. It's as high as nine feet. It, that's rare. Normally in Egypt, you don't have zigzagging walls. Yeah. That, that that time period. So that they're they're looking into that. So uh, I'll keep my eyes on this. Um, but uh, for wrapping up, um, we're getting close to a time for break. Yep. Cool. Cool. All right. So I've got a, a few more things I want to touch on. One is uh, there's a solar cell under development. It's called a perovskite solar cell, and they're trying to make it commercially viable um, because it's having difficulties uh, maintaining its effectiveness in high temperatures and whatnot. Sure. And they just recently came up with um, a discovery 
of when they added a certain thing into the uh, crystal matrix of the solar cell that improved its uh, performance. Would anyone like to take a guess as to what this uh, very apropos uh, uh, chemical was that they added to the solar uh, making crystal? I think I know what it is. Just a little juice I of think the I wild know. grape. There it is. Just a little juice of the wild Dilithium. grape. Trilithium. <laughs> Dilithium. Salt. Uh, no. Uh, no, not salt, not dilithium. <laughs> no. The element, the, the, the chemical is caffeine. Nice. So I wasn't I, that, far off when I said uh, juice of the wild grape there for with the clip. There. So it wasn't alcohol. It was it was caffeine, another drug. It was monster monster drink. Monster right, energy so, drink. Yeah, the hope is that uh, caffeine. You know, maybe they'll find some other chemicals that will work well uh, for making perovskite more you know uh, viable. But uh, it 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 kicked up. You know, there's charts that show it that it kicked up. So I just wanted to touch on that. I thought I found that amusing that it's very cool. Very was cool. improved with caffeine. All right. So we can wrap it up there. All right, let's do it. We, we're going to run to the break right now, and when we come back, um, we're going to check in with Michelle, and she's going to share a, a little different uh, of a segment for her, but she's going to talk about uh, the legendary Peter Yusinov since his birthday is um, today. April 16th, he was born 1921. He'd be 100 years old today if he still was alive. Um, but yeah, so looking forward to that, Michelle. And of course, your your trailer block, inspired by Bewitched. We got some witchy trailers. It's going to be very exciting. And uh, before we get to the Twilight Zone, though, we got a popcorn story we need to talk about with Joe. So I forgot about that one. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah. I think I'm going to be sick. We'll be right back. <laughs> yep. And now, on with the show. I am hard. Damn hard. Going to be a good night. It came from Cleveland, Ohio. Of fearsome mutated beasts back from the dead, kept alive by experimental science. Science runs amok when human beings tamper with unknown forces. Now, at last, the real shocking story can be told. We are giving you all the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the miserable souls who survived this terrifying ordeal. A nightmare combination of shock and terror, and you're invited. A foolish undertaking. Something evil. It came from Cleveland, and it was calling from inside the house. Not recommended for impressionable children. Not in the, not in the slightest. Not after that uh, cheap uh, Jack Webb knockoff guy. I am hard. Damn hard. And this guy. Let's just hope we can wear him down before he wears us down. Yeah, we'll find out about that later. Anyway, welcome back to the show. Uh, Michelle has some wonderful uh, Peter Yusinov uh, factoids for us tonight, and some a lot of audio clips as well. This show has just been loaded to the gills with audio tonight, and I love that. And uh, of course, uh, I want to uh, thank Kill the Hippies, Adam Hebert, and our robot friends as well uh, for their contributions to tonight's show. But yeah, welcome back, Michelle, Miles, and Joe. 
And uh, yeah, so Michelle, uh, we've got a couple trailers and some audio clips. Uh, you tell us where you want to go. I just want to do a brief thing about Peter Yusinov to let people know. Um, actually, he is Sir Peter Yusinov. Um, his full name was Sir Peter Alexander Von Yusinov. Oh, I'm sorry. Sir Peter Alexander Freyher Von Yusinov. Dang, that's a name. Yes, um, it's, it's quite impressive, but the man himself was impressive. He was an, act, an English actor, writer, and filmmaker. Mm -hmm. um, he also did a lot of contributions to the, you know, universities, and um, he won two Academy Awards for Best Supporting Actor, Emmy Awards, Golden Globes, and BAFTAs, and he even had a Grammy Award for Best Recording for Children. Oh, really? So he had he he recorded an album for children. Um, he was a Renaissance man, uh, they would call him, and um, he was he was a uh, an absolutely prolific um, Agatha Christie uh, actor as well as um, just just so many cool uh, bit parts and stuff. He was even on the Muppet Show, and mm -hmm. his, he did voice work. And some of you will recognize some of the voice work. But uh, first, I'd like to talk about Evil Under the Sun by Agatha Christie. All right. We've got a quick little trailer here for that from uh, 1982. Recently, I went on holiday to the glamorous island retreat of the international socialite, Madame Daphne. I traded my thinking cap for a bathing cap and found myself knee-deep in murder. Strangled! <laughs> Even in paradise, there is evil under the sun. <gasps> Won't you join me there? Rated PG. Got <laughs> Friday the theater near you. Check your local newspapers for listings. Well, look at that. It came out on a Friday too. And what's what's really uh, what's really humorous about that? Uh, actually, about that that trailer is he's talking about you know uh, the, uh, swimming and you know uh, uh, evil under the sun and. There's a scene in in the movie. It's not any spoiler scene, but he's uh, Hercule Poirot, and he's going into the water, and he walks into the water up into his knees, and then he looks around, seeing there's nobody else in sight. He starts pacing up and down in the water as if at miming a swim stroke, and he does that <laughs> twice. Then he gets up out of the water, looks around again, and then heads back up to his his towel. <laughs> That's funny. That is so funny. What's so, you know, fastidious about his mustache? He probably, you know, that's one of the things, you know, he never wanted anything to happen to that perfectly sculpted mustache he had. But um, not. the thing about these movies is they had the royalty of actors in them. I mean, mm -hmm. this one, Evil Under the Sun, had uh, Rodney McDowell. Um, it oh, had wow. James Mason. And one of my favorite pairings in the movie is Diana Riggs and Maggie Smith. Maggie Smith plays the owner of the hotel they're all at. And um, Diana Riggs plays a, uh, a, a fairly, you know, uh, uh, stuck-up um, actress who caught a rich husband. And her and Maggie Smith have a history. They were both showgirls. They were both dance, uh, chorus girls together before um, Diana Riggs' character did whatever it took to get ahead. And mm -hmm. there's, I have a little clip about them uh, with a cute little exchange of words. Is That's the banter one, correct? Yeah, 
the catty, yeah, the, the, yeah, Maggie Smith and Diana Rigg being catty. All right. Alina and I are old sparring partners. Hello, Daphne. Oh, it's been years. Well, a little time, yes. Years. Alina and I were in the chorus of a show together. Not that I could ever compete. Even in those days, she could always throw her legs up in the air higher than any of us. <laughs> and wider. Ooh! <laughs> Caddy does not begin to explain. <laughs> oh, I thought there's some great little sharp British jab there. You think that the British are, you know, so cultured and refined, but wow. <laughs> Yeah. Uh wow. That was a that was a rather blue. Yes, it was. Um <laughs> I'm trying to think of what the next two were. I, I forgot. Uh we've got uh Beauty and Brains and Bodies in the Sun. Okay, yes, let's play the first one and then the second one. But uh the first one first. Uh, the beauties and the brains first. All right. And this this clip actually does have uh, Peter Usinov in it as well. Will you allow me to tell you something, madame? The Arlena Stewarts of this world do not count. Their domination is of the moment. Really to count, a woman must have either goodness or brain. Well, there you like go. That. That's, a, that's a really cool sentiment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, very wise. And, uh, you know, and it, the same goes for men, too. Goodness and brains. But yeah, so and I love his accent in, in this too. It's so it's so spot on, you know. Yes, because he's not French. Remember, he's Belgian. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. And uh, uh, do, shall I uh, go ahead and run the next one from Bodies in the Sun? Yes, because this one is just shortly after that scene. All right. Oh, I wish I could do that. Just lie in the sun. Pourquoi, Madame? Look at them lying in rows, like corpses in the morgue. They are not men and women. There's nothing personal about them. They're just bodies, butcher's meat, steaks grilling in the sun. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Poirot, but I suffer from vertigo. I can't bear to look down from a height. I'm better now. In fact, I'm determined to enjoy myself. It's so blissful here, so tranquil, so far from all violence. Trouble. Yes, you're right, madame. The sky is blue, the sun is shining, and yet you forget that everywhere there is evil under the sun. Oh, we need a drama stand. There's that redo of the creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah, I think that's our official drama sting for for this show. Oh, okay. <laughs> so uh, I can't I can't uh, stand to live with that. I don't think. Yeah, what's really cool about the, uh, that is he, you know, it, it it sets the tone and it works the tagline of the movie and, and the book. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, perfect. I always love that. You know. Um, but no, this, this looks like, you know, uh, the, the, uh, I, I love the trailer for this because it's nice and quirky. Uh, and again, it's one of those things where, you know, you know, it's not necessarily just scenes from the movie. They actually went out of their way to have Yusunov record, you know, the idea for the trailer. And he's like, rated PG <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> at the end. 
So stuff like that always cracks me up. I I, I like that. It's because it's kind of you know fourth wall breaking almost. You know. Yeah, and along along its veins came another movie called uh, Death on the Nile, and we have a trailer for that as well. Oh wait, I did not get the Death on the Nile one. I did okay. not. Never mind. So I, I apologize. I didn't. I, I didn't see that. Um, but I might be able to. Uh, I could. I could. Uh, um, uh, do it uh, guerrilla style and pull that up on my phone if... Uh, oh, no, no, no. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. But he was in, uh, you know, he was in a, 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 a few of these um, Agatha Christie movies. And, you know, playing Hercule Poirot. Um, and they were just really enjoyable to me. I really... I really liked Agatha Christie to begin with, and uh, later on in her career, she got sick of the Hercule Poirot character. She said he became so obnoxious <laughs> and so elite <laughs> that she didn't like him anymore. But oh, no. she did write she did write one last Agatha Christie and one last I mean one last uh, Hercule Poirot mystery and one last um, Miss Jane Marple mystery. And, but she never published them. What she did is she put them in a vault and mm -hmm. deeded one to her son and one to her daughter. And when she died, it, they were her, theirs to do with as they wish. Oh. And I thought that's such a cool legacy. Well, I did. I, I do have the, the Death on the Nile trailer uh, on, uh, pulled up on my phone if you want me to, uh, to go ahead and run it real quick. It's all right. I think we have time, so let me uh, let me uh, make sure I've got my volume up on my phone. There we go, 1974. Little lo-fi, but it'll come through just fine on this microphone here for everyone as soon as it starts after the Paramount. Coming from Paramount. detective of all time, Hercule Poirot, on a mysterious journey down the Nile to the great wonders of the world, where the biggest wonder of them all is who done it. I feel the presence of evil all about me. Agatha Christie's Death on the Nile, starring Peter Ustinov. With me, it's the exercise of the little gray cells. And nine star suspects. Betty Davis. You perfectly foul French upstart. Belgian upstart. <laughs> Mia Farrow. I just want to put this gun right against her head. And then ever so gently. The Angela Lansbury. You see, I know all. All I tell you. David Niven. She must have known something about the Net Doyle's murderer. Maggie Smith. But why should I kill Mrs. Doyle? George Kennedy. You can't pin that on me. Wow. Me! Jack Warden. So now you think that I? Olivia Hussey. Lois Childs in Agatha Christie's... Jackie! Death on the Nile. No, Clara, the way I see it, everybody could have done it. And everybody had a reason for doing it. Of course. So you think you know, huh? I know. This place is beginning to resemble a mortuary. You see, we have been running in the wrong direction, you and I. We know almost all there is to know, except that what we know seems, seems incredible. It's incredible. Outrageous. <laughs> the most daring, the most deadly case of his career challenges Hercule Poirot. It was 
carefully planned to guess who in the world done it. But I, Hercule Poirot, have eyes which notice everything. Mystery in first class. Murder with style. Agatha Christie's... Wow. That is a classic trailer. Oh my god. I, I, I want to see that so bad now. David Niven, George Kennedy. Holy wow, the, the cast that these movies had were absolutely Betty Davis? My god. Ag- um, uh, Angela Lansbury? So... No, that's that's incredible. So you see, I never really got into these uh, in, into the Agatha Christie stuff. But as I'm getting older, I'm kind of looking for things that you know I missed out or glossed over when I was younger. And uh, I think I, I might start getting into these. That especially, I think I'll start with that one because that one looks great. The Ben Davis line in there is is the one I want to use for some sort of like uh for some sort of theme for me or something like that as part of you know the theme. You know, putting a bunch of Together. Oh yeah, really yeah. Like what, what, what was the line? I, I forget. Uh, this uh, this place is beginning to resemble a mortuary. Ah, okay. <laughs> perfect, perfect. That's good for us. It for our... fit well, good for my, my for my segment. Oh um, yeah, but... yeah. Jingles will be coming for everyone uh, at some point here. So, um, Agatha Christie was asked why she never did a Miss Jane Marple and uh, Hick Uparo team up in a book, and she said because. You, Hercule Poirot would never listen to this game, Marvel. He wouldn't, he wouldn't <laughs> take life from it from an aging, you know, uh, uh, what he would consider an aging female busybody. Well, she knew her characters better than anybody, I suppose, right? Yeah, and but yeah, so Peter Ustinov wasn't just uh, just you know uh, uh, Hercule Poirot. Um, Peter Ustinov also plays a familiar voice in the familiar Disney classic. Um, he played Prince John in Robin Hood. That's right. And uh, we have a quick clip here for everybody. Seize him. I sentence you to sudden, instant, and even immediate death. <laughs> I thought that fit us beautifully. That's a great. <laughs> mm, that is great. That is really good. So uh, another movie I haven't seen. Uh, you know, uh, well, so that's the Robin Hood animated, correct? Correct. Yeah, it's, it's on Disney Plus. So I'm gonna have to watch it. So, um, and uh, and I think uh, next week. Oh, oh, well, next week we, we should, might as well do a quick plug. You're gonna be on Tuesday on Fairy Lights or Fairy Nights. Uh, next uh, next Tuesday, I appreciate you uh, helping Susan out while Zelda's out uh, campaigning. And uh, the next episode I'm on, we're going to do the Let's Pretend of Robin Hood. Very cool. So that's good. So, um, uh, but uh, he he did uh, one other classic character in ghost form as well. Yes, another Disney uh, uh, Disney movie, but this is a Disney live action movie. And the uh, title of this, uh, it's 1968's Blackbeard's Ghost. Here's the trailer. I'm the new track coach at Godolphin College. Coach, I'm glad to know you. That's the end, coach. That's Blackbeard's end. I'm going to put you in his room. I'm sure he won't mind. He? Captain Blackbeard. No one can 
can see you except me? I'm a kind of a ghost, you know. I want nothing <laughs> to do with you. Hey, what do you think you're doing? I've a mind to have a hand at the L. What? Oh, oh. Oh, no! Your driver's license, please. You want your lads to win, don't you? I can teach you how to do it. Forget it! Are we looking for somebody? Blackbeard's ghost. You certainly do have a problem. Good problem, I've got a problem. Does it strike you as odd that sooner or later all our track coaches seem to crack up? You think you're an old matey now, are you? They could hang me for what I think of you now. Didn't I tell you to keep your hands off of my boys? God, how good was he at accents? My lord. Uh, he sounds like a different person everything. But but you can still hear that wonderful baritone of his voice, you know? Yeah, he, he did really well. And what, what's funny about this movie is it does have the supernatural angle to it, but it's a Disney mm-hmm. thing, so it's going to be cute and cuddly. It was fun. You know, you have your standard Dean Jones in there, and you've got yeah. Susanna Plachette. And uh, Suzanne Plachette from Newhart, uh, the the first uh, was was Newhart. Joe was that the the first Bob Newhart uh, show, or was that the second one, or was it the Bob Newhart show was the first one? I think that was his first. He was the uh, he was a psychiatrist, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, well, yeah, Suzanne Plachette was his wife in the first one. I just couldn't remember if it was yeah. the Bob Newhart show or Newhart. Newhart was the second one, I think. I think so, yeah. So, but anyway, sorry to interrupt Michelle. Yeah, I had just recently watched this in, uh, with a, in a watch party with Zelda and everybody, and uh, I, I've forgotten how much I, I enjoyed this one because it was, it was humorous. Um, it had you know, some really fun little spooky, uh, you know, early special effects, but it was enjoyable. And there's just like one speech in there that I really, really, it's like, it's like one little interaction when. Um, uh, Dean Jones first encounters Blackbeard's ghost. Yes, he's he's a he's a doubting Thomas, as it were. Curses, pirates, malarkey. Blackbeard himself was a phony. <laughs> Probably some chicken-livered little pipsqueak that built up a reputation scaring old women and children. Chicken-livered pipsqueak, is it? A remark spoke slighting like that could raise a man's blood now, could it not? <laughs> oh, I love his delivery. It's it's just it, it's it's priceless. And he's definitely playing up the more crass uh, British accent than you. you, you yeah, kind of a Cockney <laughs> kind of thing. Yes. No, and. I love um, it. Yeah, it, it's it is a, it is an enjoyable movie. It's it's a good feel feel good movie, and you know, but sometimes you need something like that. Oh, especially yeah. I mean, after the year we've had, <laughs> yes, I, I'm all for lighthearted and fun. I, I've come around uh, to to Disney, so and and I think Elsa Lancaster, who played the in the the owner of the uh, Blackbeard Inn. Um, she, you know, she was another one that showed up a lot in, uh, uh, Disney movies and stuff like that, but she was a, a, a fairly, um, uh, prolific person in like things like, uh, Night Gallery and all sorts of different shows at that mm-hmm. time as well. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of cool to have her there. Yeah. Um, 
she would have been she would have been the type that you would you would have thought would have been like in Bewitched, but she wasn't. So, it, but yeah. she, you know, she she felt that she could have had a role there if she wanted it. Oh, very cool. So, all right. Uh, well, it's it's almost time for break, but I don't. I want to make sure you you've gotten uh, through everything you wanted to get through before we get to your trailer block. Um. Yes. Yes. Um. All I can tell you is that uh, else about Peter Yusinoff is he was married three times. <laughs> um, Not uh, uncommon for <laughs> for uh, actors back in the day. One of the one of the funny things is. Um, uh, his first wife was the half sister of Angela Lansbury, and Angela oh. Lansbury play, you know, was in, in Disney movies as well. And, uh, and I, I got the Christie movies. Played, yeah, and 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 a and a and Mersey wrote. So it's kind of funny that that connection between all those little uh, those investigators mm -hmm. in in the family yeah. there. And Murder She Wrote definitely heavily inspired by Agatha Christie mysteries. So. Um, and one thing I did, uh, I, uh, yeah, um, and he did die. When he died, he was living in Sweden uh, at the time. Or okay. So it was yeah, Switzerland. In, was living in uh, Bernson, Switzerland. It was a neutral uh, no, death. No, Switzerland. Sorry, I had to make a neutral joke. Um, so <laughs> uh, but all right, uh, uh, anything else before we uh, run to the trailers? That's it. I think we did pretty good. All right. Uh, no, you you did great. Thank you so much. But yeah, so uh, here we go. Inspired by Elizabeth Montgomery and Bewitched, I had Michelle pick out three bewitching trailers for us. So coming up in this block, uh, we have um, Warlock from 1989, Daughters of Satan from 1972, and Inferno from 1980. And I've got a couple fun facts for a couple of those trailers when we come back. So hang tight. We'll be right back with Popcorn in the Twilight Zone. Seize him. I sentence you to sudden, instant, and even immediate death. suspicion. Do you choose to admit your crimes before man and God? His coming was foretold. Now, he is here. You know the signs. You are bewitched. He has the face of an angel. Channel me a spirit. The charm of the devil. Hear me when I say he's evil. Evil absolute. And the powers of a god. <laughs> Satan also has one son. First to have laid eyes upon the new messiah. Now, 
an enemy from his past. Who appointed you executioner? And a girl from the present. You know what he's capable of. Next time he's gonna kill me. I'll not let him harm you. Are the only hope for the future. This is the terrifying adventure that could set the world on fire. Warlock. I do not know what price I shall have to pay for breaking what we alchemists call Silentium. experiences of our colleagues should warn us not to upset laymen by imposing our knowledge upon them. The book! There are mysterious parts in that book, but the only true mystery is that our very lives are governed by dead people. There were three mothers, the same as there were three fates and three furies. Man has always mistakenly called them by one terrifying name. I'm afraid. I'm afraid to be left alone. My sister. Where is my sister? As if I were constantly being watched, and at times I think I actually feel a presence, as if someone were in the room with me. Who lives in this damned house? Someone who is waiting. But who? You are being watched. of Satan, now revealed on the screen for the first time, a secret cult of lust-crazed witches.
torturing their victims with fire and desire. Daughters of Satan, an ancient greeting with the horrifying power to transform an innocent young girl into an insatiable she-devil. Now I have a theory about when the collars fade. It means that the coven is out functioning. They have left the painting and are performing as witches. It's horror that's guaranteed to make your blood scream and your mind curdle. Then, when you can't stand another second of shock, watch Super Beast, a half-man, half-monster, ripping helpless victims to shreds in his mad hunger for human flesh. Superbeast, Daughters of Satan, make a date with horror, his and her horror, a double dose of death shown together on the same theater program. I gotta say something. I am hard. Damn hard. Oh, okay. TMR. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, so our trivia tidbits, Francie got it right. I don't know if she cheated and Googled, but Inferno of the Dario Argento classic. The soundtrack was done by the one and only Keith Emerson of Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. Uh, the keyboardist extraordinaire. He did the entire soundtrack for that film. Um, uh, I love it, too. Uh and, uh, you know, I, you have to wonder how he came into that. Pro- because Argento, um, he used Goblin a lot, right, Michelle? The the rock group yeah. Goblin for his movies? Yep. Yeah. So you, you have to think that maybe uh, uh, Emerson might have approached him after hearing some of those Goblin soundtracks saying, you know what, I want to do something like that. And, uh, and there he did. So, yeah. Uh, and he passed away several years ago. Now, that was sad, too. Um, and, uh, and Francie says, uh, one of the, uh, best concerts she ever attended, Emerson, Lincoln Palmer. So I have to believe that she didn't Google that. She, if she, uh, went to see him in concert, then she almost certainly knows a lot of fun facts about them. Now, Michelle, the other fun fact about your trailers before we, uh, get back into things is the last trailer we just heard, uh, which was, uh, Daughters of Satan. And Super Beast. Uh, but that was narrated. We just talked about Danny Dark, who was the voice of Superman on the Super Friends, who did a trailer last week. Uh, I don't remember which one it was. But I was listening to this and I was like, holy shit, that's Aquaman from the Super Friends. That's Norman Alden. And that's that's the clip I played. That's the clip I played earlier. Of Let's just hope we can wear him down before he wears us down. Yeah, he has a very distinct voice, and he's done a lot of animation voices. He's been a character actor and a lot of things. You see this guy's face. He was everywhere. So uh, do a search, uh, Google Google search for Norman Alden, A-L-D-E-N. And he also was on one of my favorite Croft shows in the 70s on Saturday mornings, Electra Woman and Dinah Girl, of course, uh, starring uh, Deidre Hall. But he played um, Professor Frank... Uh, Hel- uh, Heflin, 
And here's a quick clip of Electra Woman and Dinah Girl, so you hear that voice again. Uh, I'm sorry to take you away from your magazine assignment. It wasn't just another assignment, Frank. It was Colorado Johnson. Oh, what's Crime School picked up on? Hmm? Any relation to oh, Indiana Jones? The, the, the sorcerer, he's escaped. Oh, so the sorcerer's up to his old tricks again, huh? Yes, isn't he always? And it's up to Electra Woman and Dinah Girl to put him back in jail. That's right. Well, where do we start looking? How do we find them? Oh, the crime scope. What is it, Frank? Someone's trying to break through our communication system on our secret frequency. <laughs> now, I had to save that laugh there. <laughs> we have two great, awful laughs for tonight. Um, but, uh, no, that, that was too fun. Uh, finding that, that clip of him, or hearing him uh, do the trailer and then realizing... How many other Super Friends actors did did trailer, you know, uh, voiceovers, you know? Well, uh, I have the voices for I knew I recognized the voice, but I couldn't place it. Yeah, yeah. So, fortunately, I'm I'm pretty good. That's Susan can tell you for years, you know, I watch a, a commercial and I'm like, oh, that's, you know, so-and-so, you know. And John Hamm has been everywhere of late. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Um, uh, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I uh, grabbed some Norman Alden for you there. So there's my trivia. And I love that when you send, you send me the trailers and I'm like, oh, I can add a little something else to the show. So Joe, uh, well, welcome back, Miles, uh, as well. Thank you for, for the good science news tonight. That was uh, much appreciated. Yeah. And, um, uh, but Joe, Joe comes to us bearing, uh, bad news from, uh, the quirky world of, uh, Jeannie Moe's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Joe is our resident popcorn aficionado. Uh, he is a, uh, some might say he has, um, um, a passionate relationship with the corn of pop. I too with corn pop. No, yeah. popcorn. That's the other guy. That's corn the other pop. Joe from Scranton. Different Joe from Scranton, yeah. So. Yeah, that's the other guy. But, um, yeah, uh, popcorn, uh, I, I take it seriously. I mean, I, I you think do. you should uh, You should be careful. You shouldn't go and get popcorn in a bag and put it in a microwave. I mean, that's, that's like making sauce, you know, uh, out of gravy, you know? I mean... <laughs> Well, so, I, I understand, you know, hey, some of us don't have the luxury you have because, Joe, you, you tell everybody who doesn't know this about yourself, you actually own a, a quite an impressive device. I I, I own a, a, a commercial popcorn maker. Yes. Yes. Like, yes. Like, like but well, I, you, I, it, it, it stands alone on its own. Yeah. And I also have, but the, the, it's easy to make gourmet popcorn with just a uh, a swirly pop that you could buy on Amazon. A swirly um, pop. <laughs> Flavacol, mm -hmm. which is a uh, a buttery salt that they use in the theaters. Yes. And the most important thing is that you have to make your popcorn coconut. Coconut oil. Yes. Coconut I oil. I remember this valuable lesson you, you told me in the past. Yes. Now, I use a special coconut oil that you can buy on Amazon um, that is butter-flavored, so it gives it an extra boost. Oh, yeah. You're... Buttery flavor. See, now, Joe's not messing around. So this is near and dear to Joe's heart. No. 
And the Whirly Pop has a little crank on it. It's an old-fashioned popcorn thing with a double lid. So you just turn that crank while it's popping. You turn it slowly until it pops right off the lid. I'm getting hungry, I'm telling you. I'm I'm getting hungry for popcorn right now. Yes, yes. And it tastes just like it does in the theater. Flavacol, remember? Coconut oil and whatever popcorn, even if you want to use Orville Rickenbacker or... uh, Orville Redenbacher. Rickenbacker is a type of Rickenbacker, Redenbacher, whatever whatever (laughs) you want. Um, But that's that's the way to make popcorn. But... I'm getting hungry for popcorn now, but I think we have the cure for my hunger at this I moment. think we do, and, and that would be Jeannie Moe's yeah, uh, so recipe. I don't know if you had the clip. Did you I get do. The clip? Uh, yeah, I have the full clip. Oh, so, yeah, so oh. this is this is going to cure my, uh, cure my this hunger. This will. Yeah. It was a recipe that had folks popping off, calling it everything from a crime to a monstrosity. I am making my snap pea and popcorn salad. Popcorn and salad, two words rarely tossed together, even its roots were in dispute. On an iconic Midwestern dish. Midwestern? I'm from Kansas, we never ate nothing like this. (laughs) The Food Network's Molly Ye whipped the internet into a frenzy with her mayonnaise, sour cream, and Dijon mustard dressing. Plus veggies ranging from carrots what? to snap peas. Why? And then the crowning ingredient, popcorn topped with uh. white cheddar powder. The texture of the popcorn in the salad is so weirdly good. <laughs> Viral video star Kaylin Allen's offended taste buds were reflected in his body language. Oh, it is ooey gooey, baby. As one revolted viewer tweeted, I did not live through a global pandemic just to be met with popcorn salad on the <laughs> other side. To end Ugh. up drowned in mayonnaise and a popcorn salad? Enough to make popcorn want to flee the pot. <laughs> a writer at BuzzFeed replicated the salad, tasted it, and declared, Popcorn salad is trash, and that's exactly where I put it. True, even Eleven Madison Park, once named the world's best restaurant, has been known to serve a tuna and popcorn starter. But popcorn salad is still destined to be a candidate for the gallery of regrettable food. (laughs) Mollier took a bite. And this is a salad that you eat with a spoon. Critics thought her expression (laughs) showed distaste even as she tasted. But could popcorn be the next crouton? That's a concession we're not willing to make. Yum, yum. Listen. CNN. Swirling music. They found the same intermission music that we use for our show. I noticed that. I did notice that. <laughs> Look at that. We we have tr- we have a uh, uh, radio for humans trivia in in that story. So <laughs> yes, it's right embedded in the story. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. Yeah, that was pretty disgusting. And if you if you get to watch the video, um, it's even worse. Oh, I mean it, to watch. Ugh. Mayonnaise, sour cream, and Dijon mustard be mixed with uh, carrots and snap peas. What? what? Not, none oh, of that sounds God. good together. And popcorn. Cheddar. What? Cheddar popcorn on top of it. Wouldn't the popcorn become soggy and just like shrivel oh. up? 
Yeah. <laughs> Michelle, if you watch the video, it is. It's like it's like if you took a bowl of popcorn and put it in your sink. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it has no social value at all. No. And let me tell you, any any salad you have to eat with a spoon, right? Is not a salad. Oh, it's no. soup. No. It's soup. Let me, yeah, yeah. Let me, let me just tell you that to to uh, the the lady who invented that you piece of garbage. You. Yeah. <laughs> so for someone who adores popcorn <laughs> and is is quite snobby about his popcorn, criminal, criminal. Uh, I I want it is it is uh, it sh- this person should be arrested. Lock her up. <laughs> Lock her. Lock her up. Then you will be proud of Miles, because Miles has the orange popcorn fault. The flavor all. Yes. Oh, the flavicol? Uh, nice. Nice. Flavicol. Good. Good. That's, uh, yes. And you could that make it as salty as you want or as, as mild as you want, but uh, that's like the way to go. And mild coconut oil. with a little uh, Parmesan. Well, any way you want to garnish it, it's fine. You know, I I think the, the idea that to mm-hmm. pop it in coconut oil and use a little flavicol for the flavor, then. Sure. Then you know, you like cheddar, it. you like cheddar, you like whatever. I, you know what? You my, use an oil popper. So there you go. You know what my favorite? You know what my favorite uh, topping for popcorn is parsley, wild parsley. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You put it in little pieces of paper, yeah. roll it up, and smoke it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Wild parsley. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we should we should have played this after. Uh, I mean, Michelle, you picked some great horror trailers tonight, but Joe, uh, Joe, uh, uh, he 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 gave us gave us something more, far more horrific than unwittingly. Than... Yeah. Unwittingly. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so. to Jeannie Moss. <laughs> unwittingly, we had a worse trailer. Oh yeah. Well, actually, that goes with the trailers. It's it's the worst kind of popcorn you could ever want to have with. What a movie. It really is. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. It is time. We, we got to get to uh, what do we do for a parting shot? Well, we go to a place lovingly known as the Twilight Zone. All right. And uh, this week, uh, episode season one, episode 28, that aired 61 years ago today, a nice place to visit with uh, a very familiar face. Uh, of course, Joe, you've got some information on uh, uh, Larry Blyden, who played uh, mm-hmm. uh, Rocky Valentine, but Sebastian Cabot, of course, everybody knows him from A Family Affair. And didn't he do, wasn't he in the remake of A Miracle on... Yes, he was. Uh, yes, he was. What, what street is it? I can't 54th, remember. 54th Street. 54th, yeah. So, um, so yeah, so he played uh, Mr. Pip. In, in the movie and uh, but here we go here here's the intro uh, as we do we do the rod Serling narration and there's a bit of action in between the narration uh, unlike most of them but uh, here we go oh oh yeah so a nice place to visit Portrait of a man at work the only work he's ever done the only work he knows his name is Henry Francis Valentine but he calls himself Rocky because that's the way his life has been rocky and perilous and uphill at a dead run all the way. He's tired now, tired of running or wanting, of waiting for the breaks that come to others, but never to him, never to Rocky Valentine. 
it's all over now, but he's wrong. For Rocky Valentine, it's just the beginning. All right. So, um, uh, before we get into it, uh, there's not a lot to really say about this episode because it's kind of a cut and dry show. Not a lot of, you know, real surprises. It's one of those that even when I saw it when I was a kid, I kind of knew where it was going right off the bat. Yep. Mm. Um, but Joe, you had some interesting information about the actor who played, uh, Rocky Valentine, um, uh, Larry Blyden, um, Larry Blyden, Larry Blyden, people might remember, by the way, it's Miracle on 34th street, not 54th. Oh, 34th. Thank you. Two blocks away, two, 10, 20 blocks away. 20 blocks anyway, away. Yeah. yeah. Um, Larry Blyden, um, was an American stage actor and, uh, you you might have caught him if you ever watched the movie. A funny thing happened on the way to the forum, for mm-hmm. which he won a Tony Award. But most uh, interesting was that he was supposed to uh, host a revival of the uh, game show. What's my line? Remember what's my line? Oh, absolutely. With uh, Charles Daly. Remember they used to sign in. Would oh my yeah, mystery yeah. guest, come in and sign in, please. Well, you know, right? I used to have a, a a game that we did on uh, my old show uh, called "Who Goes There," which was a, a direct ripoff of that. Okay, okay. So he was supposed to be in a syndicated revival of "What's My Line." So, um, well, he was. Then his success with "What's My Line" um, uh, marked. Goodman and Bill Todman, you know, Goodman Todman Productions. Oh, oh of course, yeah. Yes, uh, had had a uh, an idea for a, a new game show called Show Offs, and uh, he actually uh, filmed the pilot for the show, but then uh, they gave him, he wanted two weeks off uh, for vacation before they went into actual production, so he went to Marrakesh, Morocco. Where he yeah, was killed in a car crash at the age of forty-nine. That stinks. Now, if if um, if we can find the video of the pilot, which actually they destroyed, of the game show show-offs, that would be interesting. But uh, yeah, he was in a single car car crash, and. Um, Interesting too is that the the, the his his uh, cause of death um, was disputed because the local authorities said he he was killed instantly uh, when his car rolled over and um, uh, the American consulate in Morocco said that uh, his injuries were minor. So mm. what did he die of? We don't know. Well, Maybe yeah. Mr. Pip killed him. 
Oh. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, well, he did uh, He did have that uh, uh, sinister laugh, sinister at, the laugh end. Uh, yes. at the end. And, um, oh, heck, where is it? Uh, I know I saved it. There it is. There it is right here. <laughs> Good laugh. Yeah, so. and the end of the movie is what we all lived through for the last year. The <laughs> main character was locked in his beautiful apartment all alone. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, uh, let, let's uh, let's uh, uh, Miles, uh, you watched this uh, rewatch this episode. Yes. Yeah. So you want to yeah. you want to give a, a quick recap of what happens after. He gets shot by that lousy screw. Lousy screw means something different now than it did then. I've never heard a cop referred to as a screw, but I thought that was interesting. Um, but yeah, so Miles, if you want to kind of let us know, uh, he gets gunned down uh, by the cops uh, and after you know uh, stealing a bunch of you know breaking into his safe and stealing a bunch of jewels and whatnot. Uh, right. So he's he's gunned down, laying in the alleyway, uh, and. Uh, this individual comes walking up to him and says, Hey, uh, wake up, Mr. Valentine. And he does so. And, you know, there's there's an, a back and forth on questions like, Oh, no, I'm here to help you. And, all right, well, give me some money. He's like, Sure, here you go. It's 20000 enough or, you know, how, however much he had. It's like, you, you, you got more? It's like, Sure, as much as you want. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, things. Uh, and then he leads him off to this pad, his pad for eternity. And uh, things go from there. Yeah, and and Michelle, the uh, Sebastian Cabot uh, was obviously uh, they they dressed him all in white, tried to make him maybe possibly look a little angelic, perhaps a little like um, you know a little little more over the top than um, oh what was uh, what was the angel's name in It's a Wonderful Life? Um, Clarence. Uh, Clarence, Clarence, yeah. So you know they kind of, kind of, you know, Michelle made him look uh, a little too, you know, wholesome and and, and nice, a little Santa Claus like in a white suit. Clarence's name was Pip. Interesting choice of a name, Pip. <laughs> uh, feel free to elaborate for those who might not know. Well, Pip is is, is a known moniker of the devil. Yeah. Just like Nick and, you know, Satan and you know, Lucifer, you know, that's just one of his nicknames. Papa Legba. Uh, yeah. Well, Papa so. Legba is a little different. He's cool. I like yeah, Papa yeah, Legba. that's true. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so, you know, so so there, there's, you know, kind of a giveaway for anybody who, who knows. But uh, at one point, uh, 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 Joe, he... Um, uh, Rocky Valentine says, you know, no, I don't belong here. And he's like, well, and, and Pip's like, well, we could go to the Hall of Records and check things out. And that's probably my favorite scene in the whole whole episode is when they go to the Hall of Records, just because visually it's kind of stunning. It's, uh, you know, uh, big stone stairs that go up and there's like these, you know, filing cabinets stacked spaced apart like, you know, monoliths. Um, and, uh, and, you know, so he takes him there and he's like, well, let's open up your file and, and see, and what, Joe, what, what were some of the things in his file? <laughs> oh, you mean the larceny, the murder? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the 
theft. Well, when you were a little child, you beat a dog to death. <laughs> you know? Oh, God. Yes, and you shot your mother. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, and he still doesn't get it. And he still doesn't get it. And that's like 10 minutes before the episode's over. After he's been living it up, and he's so basically he's getting bored at like you know winning at gambling and scoring with ladies and getting cars and you know drinking and doing whatever. And the guy really thinks he's in heaven, and he says, you know, I don't belong here. They go to the Hall of Records, and and he reads off he's this litany of 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 horrible things. And the guys in, in Rocky Valentine still hasn't figured out that he's. Not in heaven. <laughs> yeah, he created a street gang when he was nine called yeah. Angels. Yeah, call, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. Thank you, yeah. Michelle. And he was quite proud of the fact that they called themselves the Angels. Hey, ain't yes. that something we would call the Angels because that's just how good we were. Yeah, it's like a cardboard uh. cutout. Get out of here, you lousy screw. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, so uh, but I, I we, we're running long here, so uh, you guys mind if I jump to the the uh, the big reveal at the end of the episode? Go ahead. All right, here, here we go. Somebody must have goofed. If I gotta stay here another day, I'm gonna go nuts. Look, look, I don't belong in heaven. See, I want to go to the other place. Heaven. <laughs> Whatever gave you the idea you were in heaven, Mr. Valentine? This is the other place! (laughs) Oh, I love those descending notes. (laughs) A scared, angry little man who never got a break. Now he has everything he's ever wanted. And he's going to have to live with it for eternity in the Twilight Zone. Yes. <laughs> One interesting. <laughs> we got two crazy laughs out of this episode tonight. How can you go wrong? Go ahead. One little go. interesting tidbit, though, before we go. The original uh, Rocky Valentine was supposed to be played by Mickey Rooney. Oh, that's right. And Mickey Rooney wasn't able to do it, so they were in a quandary of who's going to do it. And it, it was the idea was floated that uh, Rod Sterling himself was going to play the part. That would have that really would have been cool. I think. I but, think it would have been cool. But uh, anyway, that's that. But who would have uh, who would have narrated the episode? <laughs> Blyden. <laughs> Maybe Mr. Pip. Maybe Mr. Pip. Mr. Pip. Yeah. He, he had a great voice. You oh, know, yeah. Sebastian voice. Cabot. Yeah. So, uh, all right. Well, uh, thank you guys. Um, and uh, I, I'll uh, uh, roll the end credits here, which is end credits by Kill the Hippies, our house band. Um, and if anybody has any other couple quick things to say before we go, uh, please do. Uh, Miles? Uh, no, no. I, I'm good. All right. Well, thank you again for your super great science stories tonight. Very, very much appreciated. And Michelle, thank you uh, for your in-depth review of a few of uh, the voluminous works of Peter Ustinov tonight. Appreciate that very much. You are most welcome. And uh, anything else you'd like to add? 
No, Mom. Just looking forward to see what we dig up for next week. Oh, oh yeah, we will have. Well, uh, let me consult my paper calendar. But uh, while I do that, Joe, um, thank you so much for uh, bringing horrible popcorn news to us. <laughs> Yuck. <laughs> Some advice. Keep the uh, seat of the toilet up. Yes. <laughs> we that is that is solid advice. Uh, if you eat popcorn salad, lift up the seat. Yeah. So. <laughs> yep. And to the person who made popcorn salad. Some sort of weirdo. Yeah. So. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so a teaser for next week. Well, Francie has submitted a question to the robots. So we have that on the calendar. But, the, oh, next week is an exciting show. We have Eddie Alberts. So we're going back to Green Acres, everybody. That is so exciting. Uh, we have, and you know what? We actually might revisit, uh, oh gosh, uh, Devil's Reign. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so I think that would be wor well worth it. And uh, uh, who else do we have? Lee Majors, the $6 million man, has a birthday next week. Sandra D as well, among others. So, yeah, so Eddie Albert, Lee Majors, Sandra D, and... Um, yeah, and uh, we've got all kinds of other good bonus stuff coming up. Uh, Miles, do you know what you're going to be talking about next week, or do uh... I think I was going to touch on uh, uh, some games? Um, Ooh, okay, good. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm going to do like either online games or yeah. Tell you what, I'll do that. I'll I'll touch on online games that, that everybody can play. All right, very good. Well, that's it for us. We'll see everybody next Friday right here on Radio for Humans. On it came from Cleveland. I met a genius once. He told me chicken fat would grow hair. <laughs> <laughs>